those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic Party chose to have a convention here. Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen. But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you. In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat. We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when. Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the Southern Progressive Revival. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Southern Progressive Revival, Episode 5, on this Sunday, October 4th, airing live on Indie Media Weekly or as a podcast on our SoundCloud page or iTunes. I am your host, Jonathan Matthews, and tonight we have another amazing show for all of you. In just a few minutes, we're going to be bringing on Ryanan Fion, award-winning independent journalist, author, and maker of the documentary Coal Ash Chronicles, which is currently in post-production, to discuss the settlement made between the state of North Carolina and Duke Energy over their numerous environmental blunders. In addition to that, we will have on Snork at the top of Hour 2 as our damn Yankee, and turn up the night's own Tom Schaefer for our final hour as our Southern Hospitality guest. So it's going to be a great show. I hope that you all stay tuned with us for the duration. Uh, But sadly, before we begin... I do have an announcement to make. Uh, Lisa Chappell, one of our founding co-hosts here on Southern Progressive Revival, has taken on another job and will no longer be able to be a co-host on the show. Uh, While she will be remaining a friend of the show and will go out into the field when she's available, I know that this was something that she really wanted to do, but life got in the way. So I want to wish her the best of luck in her future endeavors and career. It was a pleasure having her on for the short time that she was here. And without her, we wouldn't have been able to cover the Sanders rally in Greensboro. So in honor of all that she has done, we extend a hearty round of applause to you, Lisa Chapel. So let's go ahead and get that queued up here. Okay, so that is, uh, you know, once once again, sad to see her go, but we wish her all the best in her future. Um, but without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to our introductions. Joining us from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri, our very own Ms. producer, Janet Lee. Hello, Janet. You were Sorry, very... I was muted again. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's great to see you or have you here for another edition. And uh, Rihanna is ready to go whenever you post her in. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for letting me know that. Okay, so we'll have her on here in just a moment. And uh, joining us uh, tonight is a man from Nashville, Tennessee, who needs no introduction. A man who is not afraid to speak his mind. Frequent Indie Media Weekly contributor, Joey Word. Welcome to the show, sir. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. All right, it's good to have you back, sir. And uh, if you're listening tonight, this coming Friday, October 9th on Turn Up the Night, there is a very exciting announcement coming about who will be taking Lisa's spot as our next permanent guest host. So please tune in 
Uh, of course, uh, Tune Up the Night airs here on Indie Media Weekly from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, so you will not want to miss that. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to our general folk and situations and bring on Ms. Fion into the conversation. the song uh, in protest of Duke Energy uh, by the Raging Grannies and I know that it was very long but I wanted to get it out there because it's a terrific song and it's kind of funny to listen to but you know the message that's in it is amazing Uh, but without waiting any further it is my pleasure to introduce to all of you someone that I have always wanted to meet I am so excited to meet her for the very first time Ms. Fionn thank you so so much for being on the program with us tonight Oh, you're so welcome. I hope you can hear me. <laughs> I can. You're coming through loud and clear. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, well, that's so nice of you to say all of that, and it's kind of fun to log in and hear the Raging Granny sing their song. I have to say it's not totally factually correct, but <laughs> 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 it's still a good song. <laughs> 
It is. I, I heard it, and uh, I just, I really, I really dug it. So I was like, hey, you know what? This is going to be a really long jingle to introduce a segment, but we're going to get it out there. We, I'm we... sure that they will actually just tag them on Facebook. I'm sure that they'll actually be delighted to know that you shared their song. Well, I will definitely do that. Thank you so much for the suggestion. So, Ms. Fionn, uh, Fionn, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I am good. I, I, you're in North Carolina too, right? So you know that it's super soggy down here. So it's. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's been a fun day. <laughs> it has been. It's it's not been too bad in, in Kernersville. I'm in the the triad up here between Winston and Greensboro. But uh, yeah, I know that uh, the whole rest of the state, even up at the mountains, has just been getting drenched. And I hope that everything is going okay for you down there. Everything is fine. Um, there are just some folks nearby who um, are without power and have been without power for a long time. So, um, mm-hmm. oh. but you know that's nothing compared to what's happening in South Carolina. So, um, right, just prayers and thoughts with all the people who are dealing with uh, blood-related stuff tonight. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I've seen the pictures of the flooding there, and I saw one picture. I believe you shared it. Um, earlier of the the parking lot at the apartment complex where the water levels were almost up to the roofs of the cars. Oh my god, that's crazy, right? But you know every yeah. like used car salesman in Columbia is like, yes! Yeah, exactly! <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I like, when, <clears throat> I like when we have ice storms in Missouri. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one man's tragedy, you know tragedy you know how that goes so but anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh well the the reason we wanted to have you on tonight and i'm i'm so happy that you came um those of you who frequent indiemediaweekly.com know that we get the collash chronicles feed and uh ms fion made a posting about the recent settlement between the state of north carolina and duke energy um Janet and I had heard about it earlier in the week when it was just being stated that it was going to be announced. And we were like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, that's finally getting done. La, 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 la. And then the details of the settlement came out. Your article came out. And I was stunned personally. So I, I just, you know, wanted to, to give you an opportunity to, to say anything that you would like about that. Well, I mean, I understand why other people might be stunned. I, I've, I, unless there's another big coal ash spill again, I, I don't know that it's possible to stun me anymore where coal ash is concerned. The, to me, what this is really hearkening back to is the $99,111 settlement the state tried to offer Duke Energy before their Dan River coal ash spill, which is the third largest in U.S. history. Mm. Um, so it's like we're we're going back in history here. Um, yes, the settlement is a little bit larger. Um, yes, you know, it seems to cover more plants. Um, but what we're really saying here is that the state tried to find the company $25.1 million for groundwater contamination at one of its North Carolina plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's it's settlement is seven million dollars for fourteen plants. So that's about half a million dollars per right. instead of twenty five point mm-hmm. one for one plant. So it's a huge reduction in the settlement. And and just you know, I don't think it gives anybody any real confidence in the state. I mean, I think everybody, uh, especially in North Carolina, and anybody who's been watching the shenaniganry happening 
in our General Assembly knows that there has been a really hard shift right in this state. Mm -hmm. um, Duke Energy is the monopoly uh, energy provider in this state. I've interviewed um, Pricey Harrison, a Democrat from Greensboro, for my film that I'm working on. And she looked into the camera and she said, nothing happens in this state without Duke Energy's permission. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the governor wow. um, was a Duke Energy employee for uh, 28 years. So, I mean, you know, we have a situation here where we have a big, powerful company. It's not just the state's power company. It's the largest energy producer in the world. Um, and they have, you know, a lot of influence in the state. Now, are they happy with this settlement? No. They, you know... They, they want, you know, their message is kind of, you know, we've got this. We don't need you to fine us. We've got it. We're, you know, we're doing our best. So, I mean, is it is something better than nothing? Yeah. Is this yeah. in the best interest of um, the citizens of the state? You know, I asked the state that. Um, I asked a couple of times, you know, how does this benefit citizens? And basically the the head of communications for the Department of Environment, Environmental Quality, I'm sorry they just changed their name, um, she basically wanted the whole interview to be off the record. All she basically wanted to say was, we are doing more than any other administration ever before. Well, you know, mm. no other administration had to deal with the massive coal ash spill, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and just the fact that she can't answer that question, how does this benefit the people of North Carolina? Uh, she can't answer the question. It should be real simple. That should have been one of the very first things in their press release. They are an agency that's supposed to benefit the people and protect our natural resources. But we, you know, we all know what's up in North Carolina. We all know what's up in states across the nation. We all know what's up in the U.S. House of Representatives. You know, there's been a hard shift to the right, and they don't give a damn about the people. They don't give a damn about our natural resources, but they do give a great big damn about the people who are funding their campaigns so that they can exactly. stay in power. So, I mean, mm -hmm. let's, let's just be real. That's, that's what's up. Um, again, it's something better than nothing. Yes. Could it have been better? Yes. Is Duke happy? No. I mean... <laughs> They're not they, happy? <laughs> well, I mean, well, they would prefer to... I mean, obviously, they would prefer to not have to pay any settlement or anything. And they feel like they've yeah. got this. You know, they feel like that they're doing their best as fast as they can. They're, you know, so they would, you know, they would prefer to stay out of court. And, and that's kind of what I heard from both sides, you know, Duke Energy and the state when I asked them, you know, how does this benefit the people of North Carolina? Oh, well, it gets us out of court. We're not spending money on court fees and lawyers and blah, blah, blah. And instead, we can get to the good work of cleaning up collage. So, you know, whatever. It's all PR BS, if you ask me. But <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and mean, one of the, go one ahead, of Jenna. One of the things that I read was that they're going to, give the charge the the fine to the people oh well so so there's a little bit um it was like dueling press releases so you had the state come out and they said well you know 20 million dollar settlement and then duke energy is like no actually it's seven million dollars and so it's like what's up with the difference and they said well the state's trying to estimate how much it's going to cost us to actually do the groundwater cleanup so the settlement is only actually seven million dollars um, 
And then the, Duke was telling me that they haven't totally figured out the cost for every single plant, but it's like three to five million at one plant. So whatever. So you can you can kind of extrapolate that out. But um, every plant is going to need its own plan, and they're not really done with that part yet. So so the seven million dollars, the actual legal settlement that ends a, a a lawsuit that started back in March, that's going to come from shareholders. But the cleanup costs, so when I asked Duke, you know, who's paying for that part, they said, well, you know, we're going to, they left it open. So basically what they have to do in the state of North Carolina is they have to go to the Utilities Commission, say we want to rate hike, make a good case for it, um, that that opens up public comment stuff like that. So it remains to be seen if they'll be able to pass those costs along to the the rate mm -hmm. holders. I mean rate payers. But um, I think they're going to make a, a stab at it. But you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, uh, you know, Governor McCrory, who used to work for Duke, uh, replaced some members of the Utility Commission with his people, and just like he did in the. Um, DEQ, you know, um, replace, you know, like like a lot of governors do, they come to power and they replace people with uh, folks who are going to be favorable to their interests. And you know, Duke Energy is definitely one of his interests. I mean, it's you know well known that he was a shareholder for a long time. So um, anyway, I mean, well, it just remains to be seen what'll happen. I mean, there's definitely a lot of people power in North Carolina. Um, that's part of. Well, that's where you got the Rage and Grannies video. A bunch of citizens are coming together all over the state to, to try to get a, a place at the table to talk about these kinds of things. When the you know when Duke goes to try to raise hike, uh, raise rates, or when they um, are trying to finish their cleanup plans and stuff, these citizens want to be involved. So, you know, if they try to go and raise the rates, I have no doubt whatsoever that the people, you know, capital T, capital P. Um, are going to be all up in the utility commission's grill, so we'll we'll see we'll see who they've been to, right? Wow. Yeah, I really hope that uh, you know we we have so many great movements going on in the state right now. We have you know Moral Mondays and and we have the uh, Raging Grannies. So I'm I'm hoping that somebody will get involved in ensuring that this doesn't happen because um, I mean I was born and raised here, but I've lived in several states across the country. And I have to tell you, what I what I pay for power here in my home state is already a whole lot more than I paid in Oregon and North Dakota, which are places yeah. where you think it would be more. So it's just if if we take another one, it's it's really going to hit a lot of people hard, and it's going to be very difficult for a lot of low income North Carolinians to survive that. Yeah, right. Like I've been in some other states where companies have said to me. Um, well, I really worry about that extra $10 a year that that grandmother down the street's going to have to pay if we have to clean up coal ash. And I'll say, well, you know, I think those grandchildren would give grandma the $10. So that's, that's in other states. But you're right. Here, here in the South, um, we pay really high rates for, you know, energy that's not, quote, unquote, clean energy. You know, we're, it's not like we're paying for new technology here. We're paying to clean up messes from past generations. Exactly. So. And I was going to ask, too, like, I'm assuming that these coal plants or whatever, the coal, the ash, coal ash dumps, are these, like, in poor areas? 
So the people that are affected anyway from the drinking water are, or is this affecting everybody? Like, yeah, you know, like a lot of times they'll do the crap stuff in really, really poor minority areas. Well, so in your state of Missouri, if you look at, say, like the Lambertie area, that's a uh-huh. relatively well-to-do area right outside of St. Louis. Well, about half an hour from St. Louis. It was farming land, you know. So they right. built this big old plant, have the big coal ash ponds, and then kind of the wealthy folks grew out to meet the plant. That's kind of happened here in a couple of places in North Carolina, too, um, but then, you know, you go to, I guess, the most egregious social justice, environmental justice issue to come out of the whole coal ash thing is the TVA disasters ash being shipped down to Uniontown, Alabama, which is in one of the poorest ca- uh, counties in the country. Mm-hmm. And when I went down there and I said, um, so has anybody talked to you about what's in coal ash? And they said, no. And I said, oh, it's on my website. Oh, well, we don't have Internet access. Oh, well, I'll send, uh, you, I'll send you the information. Oh, well, a lot of us can't read. And I said, well, I'll send you several packets, you know, pass them out. The people who can read can read and share with the people who can't. So to me, that's the most egreg- egregious situation because we're not talking about 60-year-old pits here that were put in, you know, back before people were thinking about civil rights and, and equality and stuff like that. We're talking about something that happened in, you know, recent history within the past 10 years so but wow but yeah i mean i think originally a lot of these coal plants were put in in places that were sparsely populated um and or poor um those two things often um come together but so the thing about energy plants is that they have to be on a water source and we humans love us a water source. We like to play in it, boat on it, fish in it, etc., and build big old houses on it. So that's kind of what you've seen happen in a lot of these places. They were built in rural areas, but people have moved out to them. Uh, but but it just depends on where you're at. I mean, you you get a little bit of both. This like really hardcore poverty and then also like you know multi-million dollar houses so the weird thing about the people in the multi-million dollar houses though is that occasionally they'll get in touch with me and they're mad because they think I'm trying to ruin their property values because somehow I don't know why they would think that anyone would try to do that but (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean but that gets into for me that gets into a whole other issue of like you know when a real estate agent goes to sell a home you know, what's the, what are the ethics there? Should they say, you know, there's this big thing happening across the street from your neighborhood? So no, anyway, I, I could go on and on about all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, it's really kind of all over the board. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> that's actually really interesting to hear that um, because I, I hadn't been aware until this conversation where our power plants were located. I've never actually seen one in the state before. Um but the fact that they're spread around, you know, I, I, I suppose that in and of itself is a good thing. The, the fact that they're dumping down in Alabama like they are, of course, is is a, atrocious. I, I can't believe that they would even be allowed to do that. Is, is, oh, is... well, it's one of the crappiest situations I've ever honestly heard of. I mean, 
Uh, it's a 1,600 acre landfill, and they basically needed some deal to get it going. And mm -hmm. so after the Tennessee Valley authorities fill, uh, the county commissioners, the landfill owners and stuff were basically like, we'll take it, we'll take it, because they needed a deal. You know, mm -hmm. they needed a deal to get started. But what's really crappy is if you can imagine, like imagine like some a rectangle in front of you, and that's 1,600 acres. Along the bottom of it and along uh, the right side of it, there that's where people live. Can you guess where they put the coal ash? The bottom and right of it. Right. They put it right across <laughs> the street. And so oh, wow. now that landfill that needed this big deal to get started, they're now accepting trash from like 33 other states. And so think uh. about that for a minute. Like what trash is worth it to like, say, New York to ship all the way down to Alabama? This is the junk. This is the nastiest of the nasty. And so they come in and they pile it high. And I've watched. So I grew up two counties over from this place. So every time I go to visit my family, I drive out there and just see how things are going. And so I've watched this like mountain of trash build and they have, you know, methane flares and all this kind of stuff. And it's right across the road, this old country road from where people live, kids play in the yard, you know. Oh, my it's gosh. Awful. Yeah. <sighs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's just, it's just one of those things you hear and you don't you don't even know what to say because the fact that that's happening nowadays, you know, today in the United States is just horrible. But, you know, these Republican-run legislatures. Oh, God, look at Alabama. Like, yeah. Never, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up there, so I feel like I have... I have the right to talk bad about it sometimes. <laughs> but, I mean, they just, you know... They could give a crap about people. Honestly. I mean, that's my, unless you're wealthy or, you know, one of these old families or something, they don't care. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, it is bad. And I think, I, I think part of this is because, you know, it's all very magical, right? We, we throw our trash away and it just disappears. It goes to the land of away. We put our can out and come back and it's empty. It's mm -hmm. magic. We have no idea yeah. where it goes. You know, and it's the same thing with like our electricity. We flip the switch, it works. If it doesn't work, we're mad. We have we don't know where it comes from, where it goes. We have no idea how much coal we're burning in any given day. Um, same thing with water. We turn the faucet on, it works. If it doesn't turn on, we're mad. But we don't know where it comes from, and we don't know where it goes. <laughs> so I think there's, you know, I think there's just a kind of a lack of interest in how things work. But it, I think if people understood better that we're all downstream from somewhere, you know, that our, that the land of a way is next to one of our neighbors. I think people might would care more. And that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, speak, speaking of that, and, uh, I, I, I really wish we could have you for all three hours, but I know you have other things to do. Um, your, your documentary, Coal Ash Chronicles. Um, yeah. I understand that it's in post-production right now. Oh, yes. We are so close to the end. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for it to be done. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, it's, uh, so I traveled the country for about three years collecting coal ash stories, as I like to say, from citizens, from people in the, you know, beneficial reuse industry, people that reuse coal ash and things like concrete asphalt, people in the coal industry, people in government, people in academia, really tried very hard to get a really well-rounded picture mm -hmm. um and so yeah so the so 
I actually started out to write a book and was recording my interviews, and then I started watching the interviews and got in touch with some of my film friends, and I said, you know, am I making a documentary? I think I may be making a documentary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I kind of did it backwards, but, you know, the people on all sides, they speak with such passion, and I just feel like, and some of them are so hurt, you know, like nine of the people that I've interviewed have died. Mm. Uh, I, I just since 2012, I mean, it's, it's heart-wrenching, and, and you get to see them. Some of them are dying with cancer on camera. One lady lost all of her toes and has horrible arthritis. So it's, the thing is, is it's really, it's, there's just no science. I can't say with any certainty that this cancer, this case of Alzheimer's, blah, 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 I can't say that this woman died because of collage. I can say these are the things that are in collage. These are the health problems that we know those things uh, cause. And this woman like, had some of those things, you know. With so. arsenic and... Oh, it I goes on. It's reading, like a yeah. third of the periodic table. Arsenic, selenium, you know, uh, strontium, uranium. It just goes on and on. Wow. And Grammy from the chat says, methane flare sounds like something from another planet. Oh, it happens at every landfill. All these lands of away where our trash goes. I mean, it happens. It happens at landfills. It happens at, uh, you know, oil refineries. I mean, it happens a lot. And methane is no good for our atmosphere. <laughs> if, you, no, if you're no. looking into climate change issues, methane's a big culprit. So. And are you still um, asking for donations, like, uh, to help you finish your project, or is there anything if somebody wants to contribute? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, $45 pays for an hour of editing. Or I should I should say it's actually $40. My editor's an angel and has come down on his price. But oh. So $40 pays for an hour of editing. Um, <laughs> and all of it, all of it helps, you know. I mean, there's, you know, $200 would pay for the website to stay up for a year, you know. So right. it all helps. I mean, I think... Uh, um, all told, in the end, this is going to be about a $300,000 project. <laughs> wow. So I know and I set out to do this really solitary work of writing a book, and, and look at me now. So <laughs> so they can go to Colash Chronicles to donate, right? Yeah, it's colashchronicles.com, um, and then uh, it's backslash donate, or you can navigate to donate on the on the website. But yeah, any anything would help, and it all goes directly to... My editors, I, we've raised about $55,000. I've put in I, somewhere around $90,000 of my own money, wow. which, which is crazy because if you saw my taxes, you would know that that's like everything I've got. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, but it's worth it to me, you know. So, But um, I think that we can get to the finish line on the film for about $45,000 more, and then the rest is really kind of the transmedia part. Like, we have a bunch of video that's not going to make it into the film. I'd like to still get that out on YouTube. Um, and we're going to be working with um, an organization called um, Investigative Reporters and Editors. They have a project called Document Cloud. So I'm going to be calling on people all over the country, all of these citizens groups who've collected public documents and stuff. I'm going to try to get everybody to upload their stuff. I'm going to upload my stuff, and it makes it available and searchable for journalists and anybody else who wants to go out there and, and look at it. And I think this is important because, you know, this is going to be going on for a long time. 
And I think there's kind of a barrier to entry with just the huge amount of information that's out there already and just trying to get up to speed in your own community about it and stuff. So that so this this idea of putting all these documents together and in a searchable place online is really important to me. But that'll come after the film. Um, but yeah, the film itself is really, really, really close to being done. Um, so I'm so thankful for that. What was the name of that? I heard that about that this morning, but I didn't get it written down, that investigative journals. Oh, it's um, Investigative Reporters and Editors, or IRE. Okay. And the, the project is called it. Document Cloud. Okay. Yeah. I heard about that on Wilmer Leon's show this morning. Oh, okay. Dr. Wilmer Leon. He was talking yeah. to somebody that was talking about a whole different topic, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, it's a great organization. I've been a member for some years. Um, and, uh, t- you know, journalism is expensive. Investigative reporting is extremely expensive. Right. If I can hand journalists public documents to get them started, I'm happy to do that. And, exactly. Um, and then they can go and fill in the gaps. They can go and verify that, you know, this is a real document, things like that. So, um, but that's the idea behind it is to just make it easy to access the information because a lot of these states don't. For instance, like Wyoming. I was, like, trying to get some information out there. And they're like, okay, you have to come here to get it. And I was like, you know... <laughs> We have this thing called the internet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good grief. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of those situations where it's just, you know, Google doesn't have everything. So we're going to we're gonna try to create the Google of Colash one of these days. i got to get past the film part first. <laughs> wow. You've really come a long way, though. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's um. I, I don't blame people when they say stuff like, oh, you're really passionate about this issue, or you're obsessed, or it's like, you know, I'm passionate about journalism, and to me, the job of journalism is to give people information so that they can make good decisions, good voting decisions, good decisions about, do I want to fight this rate hike or not, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's... Um, I'm just trying to do, this is what I tell my grandma when she's like, don't you think Jesus wants you to take a break? I'll say, <laughs> I mean, we've actually had this conversation. I'll say, don't you think Jesus wants me to use my skills and knowledge for the common good? So, um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, but I mean, I'm, I'm actually a, a humanist, not, um, a very religious person, but, um, but to me, that's what it's all about, really, is life is about helping each other out. It's about doing good for good sake, not for the promise of some reward or the threat of punishment or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just happen to have all of this knowledge and all these connections and stuff, you know, and you got to do something with your time on Earth. So <laughs> I'm just trying to do my best. That's all I'm really trying to do. So, Well, I admire you and your oh. tenaciousness. <laughs> Well, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for for doing this, for working toward getting all these materials in the hands of journalists, for for doing your own job as a journalist to to bring the truth to light and to inform everybody that reads what you read. Um, It's it's just amazing. And. Uh, I, I feel bad for not saying very much during this interview, but uh, it's... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> honestly a little bit... Um, 
uh, <laughs> overwhelming having you on the program. It, it has been a true honor to meet you. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean that in the best of ways. I am, I am a deep admirer of the work you do, ma'am. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, thanks. Well, I was going to say, you kind of did it to yourself. You said I could say anything I wanted. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and any... And hey, Absolutely. And anytime you, you need us, we, we are here. If you want to shoot off about anything, you just drop Janet or me a line, and you can come on and rant and uh, or talk all day. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. I, I really do, and um, I just... Anybody out there who has a coal ash story or whatever, bring it on. You can contact me through the website. There you go. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Ms. Fionn. And uh, we are going to uh, go ahead and put up the uh, coalashchronicles.com uh, website on our Facebook page and on Indie Media Weekly so that people can see that. And uh, I just once again want to thank you so much for being with us tonight. And I hope that you have a great rest of your Sunday and enjoy the sun that's coming in this week ahead. Woo, yeah. All right, well, thank <laughs> you. You too. You too. Y'all stay dry and happy and do good things. We will. Thank you so much, ma'am. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. We are going to go ahead and head to a break. We're a little bit over, so this will be very, very brief. And then we will get back to you with some more gentlefolk and situations. So stay tuned for more here on Southern Progressive Revival. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country, so we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. everybody, Kim Williams here, proprietor of IndieMediaWeekly.com and IndieMediaWeekly Radio. We invite you to check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice, a Facebook community that many of us are a part of here at Indie Media Weekly. Many of our contributors and listeners are as well. So if you're a fan of Facebook, you should check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice and join us. We are ready to fight, and we hope you are too. And we hope to see you there. Just search for Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice anytime you're on Facebook. Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. Be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to IndieMediaWeekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. Come walk with me, Michael Ash Sharball, through the broken doorway. 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on IndieMediaWeekly.com. This is Indie Media Weekly Radio. into Southern Progressive Revival. Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families 
while still struggling to make ends meet. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. It is 7.30 p.m. here on the East Coast, and I would like to reintroduce our co-hosts once again. Uh, Joining us, as always, is our very own Ms. Producer, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, Janet. Well, thank you, and welcome everybody that is listening tonight. Yes, indeed. That are listening tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, stumble more on the tongue. Oh (laughs) yeah. So yeah, and in in case you missed the first half hour, we had an incredible, incredible interview with uh, Rhiannon Fion. It was, uh, to be honest, I was a little starstruck. So it was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very. Yeah, I know. But but, hey, you picked up the the stick there, so I'm glad you carried us through to the finish line. And, of course, it would be uh, woe of me to not reintroduce uh, our special guest host for the night, uh, resident of Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Joey Word. Hey, guys. How are y'all? How are y'all? Hey, chat room. Hey, everybody listening. Good to be here. Yes, it's always good to have you, Joey. So now that we're back, we're going to get on to some more gentle folk and situations. And if you listen to Mike Check Radio or even Turn Up the Night, you heard about all of the terrible things that happened during the egregious congressional meetings with the head of Planned Parenthood and the way that she was treated. Well, believe it or not, there were some voices of reason during that meeting, and one of them was a Virginian, a a Democrat representative named Jerry Connolly. So we're going to go ahead and play the first part of that audio now and let you see that uh, we do have some folks from the South here standing up for Planned Parenthood and against those misogynistic pigs on Capitol Hill. Lord Almighty, what's America coming to? The disrespect, the misogyny rampant here today tells us what is really going on here. This isn't about some bogus video, the author of whom does not have the courage to appear here, nor would the majority call him, because they know he'll make a bad witness under oath. This is about... A conservative philosophy that says we are constitutionalists. They hold it up. We believe in rugged individualism and personal liberty. With one big carve-out, though, there's an asterisk in that assertion. And that is, except when it comes to women controlling their own bodies and making their own health decisions, you would never know that the Constitution, according to the Supreme Court, guarantees a right of choice. Hopefully, apparently, we're going to erode that right by using insinuation and slander and half-truths to besmirch a prepare organization whose primary mission is to provide health services both to men and women, but primarily women. Okay, so uh, I want to get to Janet in a minute, but uh, Joey, since you didn't get to talk very much in the first half hour, I know that you've heard some, uh, probably heard some of this audio out of the uh, congressional meetings with the head of Plant Parenthood, um, just the way that they treated her, that the questions they asked, they were just not allowing her to speak. Uh, it was just obviously a blatant attack, and they were throwing anything that they could, even stuff that didn't make any sense whatsoever, to try to crush her and make her look bad. So here we have Representative Connolly standing up and calling these people out for what they're doing. What do you think about that, Joey? I think uh, I give kudos to it, and I'm thinking she's brave. And uh, 
I don't know what these people are trying to do, man. You know, uh, uh, Planned Parenthood is out to help women stay healthy. It's not just about abortion. And that's that's what's, you know, bothering me. You know, mm-hmm. what is y'all playing? You know, why 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 are y'all treating women like this? Why you know, why uh uh why? <laughs> that's all <laughs> I gotta say is why. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's really hard to fathom sometimes. And and Janet, I know that you are an ardent supporter of Planned Parenthood. Um I know that you got to hear the audio on Mike Check Radio last night. Uh, from the one congressman who was just a total and absolute asshole. And and I I hate to use that term, but I don't know what else to call the guy. Uh, What do you think about all this? Hello, Janet. Whoops, I'm sorry, I did it again. Not a problem. Um, I uh, was so angry when I heard it that I couldn't even listen to it. I had to turn the audio down. Mm -hmm. because it really upset me. But I wanted to get something where there were people that were doing good and saying good about Planned Parenthood. I wanted to find a Republican that was talking good talk about uh, Planned Parenthood, but I didn't find it. I probably should have got a hold of Tom. I'm not sure whether they had one or not, because I know on their show they they used um, some positive comments. Mm. But it isn't just about women either, although I have my my ideas on what this is all about, forcing women to have babies. And quite frankly, when I've gone out lately, I've you see a lot more pregnant women than you have for a long, long time. And Missouri is pretty good about closing stuff up too. Um, but it also is for men's health care. You know, it's not just women. And the amount of abortions are like less than 1% or 3%. Yeah, it's really down Come there. Come on. Yeah. And and it's no federal funding goes for it. The, the numbers are real low, real low. And I, and that's why I just say, why, you know, what what are, what are, what are, what is they playing? What, what are they trying to do? You know, that's what boggles me, man. I mean, it, it really, to me, it, I mean, it's, it's a continuation of the war on women, but I, I also think, and um, feel free to disagree with me if you'd like, but I, I think that it's, it's furthering the Republican agenda to limit access to health care as much as possible. I mean, I you know, agree. yeah, it, it began with the Affordable Care Act, which they still fight against, and it's moved on to this. But thankfully, we have heroes like Connolly that are standing up against it. Yeah, she's a hero. Exactly. A hero. And uh, definitely Cecile Richards. I don't know how she did it. I would have probably stood up midway through and started throwing things at him. Oh, I know. So. Well, I had, I had, I had, Bless I had her heart. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight. I'm like, hey, come, you got a problem with me? Come here. Come here. You know. <laughs> but you know what the best thing was? They mm-hmm. showed it on TV. Yep. They showed yep. it on TV. And if no woman can now say, they didn't know Republicans were yeah, like it's that. It's on record now. It's documented now. Forever. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And, he, and that guy from Utah went on uh, uh, Face a Nation or someplace the next day and said he was so sick of everybody saying the Republicans had a war on women. And, women, and I was thinking, then don't wage one. Exactly. <laughs> Acting like, what are you talking about, women? <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. And uh, let's go ahead and get to the second part of this Connolly audio. I think it finishes up very nicely and uh, get your comments on that again. But yeah, he, he goes on a little bit further here and uh, let's hear what he has to say. You know, this notion, one of my colleagues said, well, getting rid of Planned Parenthood, we'll just hand over these functions to community health clinics and other nonprofits that can take up the slack. Now, if you were really committed to that principle, surely you would agree to the expansion of Medicaid as provided under the Affordable Care Act to, in my home state of Virginia, 400,000 people who aren't currently covered. That's correct. Make your job a lot easier, wouldn't it? A lot of women, a lot of families in this country need access to health care that aren't right. getting it. So if, we're really me- if we really mean it, that's what we do. But of course, the very same people who are saying that vehemently oppose the expansion of Medicaid, which would be funded in the first three years by 100% of federal dollars and thereafter 90%, a good deal for any state. Which might be why the governor of Ohio, the Republican governor of Ohio, mm-hmm. actually agreed with that and expanded it. That's right. And there you have it, him sort of speaking to the, uh, you know, what, what I feel that this is just an attack on healthcare as a whole. Um, they they don't want to give what they love to term as handouts to anybody. Of course, we all know that it, it's it's help, and healthcare should be a basic human right. I, I think that it's very difficult to argue against that. It's just so sad that so many people across this country have to die because of easily preventable issues. If they had access to adequate health care, if they didn't have to pay these exorbitant fees to have insurance, if they can afford it at all, it would help so many people in the long run. Uh, I mean, you know, Joey, I know that you are uh, fortunate enough to be on Medicaid. Um, I mean, if you weren't, you know, I, if I weren't, I'd be probably half dead right now. You know, won't be talking to y'all right now. Probably laying up in some hospital in a bed somewhere, and probably would have to die at home. But you know, because they can't keep me there long. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm glad. I, you know, we, we, tell the truth, we all need we all need health care, man. We all need it, and and I don't know why these Republicans are trying to kill it. You know, I. Like they say, shoot, you know, and they even got poor people even thinking, uh, we don't need Obamacare, you know, and mm-hmm. divide and conquer. That's that's one thing Republicans good at. They love to divide the people. They do absolutely, but thankfully we have we have heroes like Connolly that are just speaking yeah. out for what it is. Yeah. It's an absolutely beautiful thing. That's, that's why I'm here today to fight with y'all. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> in some kind of way. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm talking for the man like me, you know, a, a, a guy, you know, a poor, poor black fella in the South that's trying to make it in life and trying to live as long as I can, you know, without a lot of drama. And uh, shoot, uh, I just talking for them, you know, people like us. Absolutely. And we're grateful that you're here to do it. And uh, Janet, I want to go ahead and give you the last word on this before we move over to our next story. What? Oh, I just wanted to give you the last word on this before we move over to our next story. Uh, I just, I don't even have anything else to say about these people. (laughs) (laughs) It is, 
it is indeed a very difficult <laughs> yeah <laughs> very very difficult thing to to wrap your mind around and um i mean you know we we, we have people that are sending up against it the the head of Planned parenthood herself uh representative Connolly. there are also a number of other democrats in the the south that are standing in in lockstep with planned parenthood and defending the rights of women everywhere uh, particularly those that are poor and that need these benefits uh, in order to fight easily preventable diseases, in order to get mammograms, and any number of health services. Um, as we've said before, this is not just about abortion. This is much larger than all of that, and Planned Parenthood needs to remain. Um, so moving on to our next story, we don't have any audio for this because the only audio that existed was in another language. And unless you speak uh, Spanish, which unfortunately... Spanish. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> yeah, so we kept the audio out, but it would not be an episode of Southern Progressive Revival unless we were able to burst a hole in Kim Davis's bubble. So as many of you know, Kim Davis managed to have a quote-unquote visit with Pope Francis during his visit. And uh, her camp and the right wing have made attempts to drive the conversation toward it being the Pope's unequivocal support of her cause, uh, which is interesting, considering that the Vatican has stated concerning the matter, um, Reverend Federico Lombardi said that Francis met with several dozen people at the Vatican's embassy in Washington before leaving for New York. Uh, Lombardi said such meetings are par for the course of any Vatican trip and are due to the Pope's kindness and availability. He said the Pope only really had one private audience in Washington with former students and his family members. And it may come of interest to know that that private audience, some of the people involved, were a personal friend from Argentina, Yayo Grassi, who is openly gay. The Pope is aware of this. And his, com- and his partner... And they have been in a committed relationship for 19 years. And this took place a day before the Pope managed to meet up with Kim Davis in her little lineup. So I hope that Kim Davis has been made aware of this and the fact that she hugged the Pope, who the prior day hugged two gay men. It just brings me a lot of joy to say that here on the air. (laughs) (laughs) well and i think it's hilarious that they got caught out now somebody said that that cardinal that got her in there was already in trouble with the pope Mm -hmm. but i don't know if that's true or not and but also too the very fact that the lawyers tried to spin this to make it sound like it was a private uh meeting Mm -hmm. It's just so backwoodsy, you know, just so um, unethical. I'm just so sick of this stuff. You can't, you cannot believe anything that comes out of there. You know, Kim Davis or her camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's one of those people where if she went on TV and said that the sky was blue, I would have to go outside and check. You know what I mean? And then you'd wonder if they had a filter on it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I mean, uh, uh, Joey, I know that y- you and I are, are both uh, Baptists, so, you know, 
But uh, I, I'm a big fan of Pope Francis. I, I don't know about you yourself. I, I, I like him. I, I love him, man. He's cool as hell to me, man. Well, well not literally hell, but he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like him, man. He's a good dude. He's a good dude, man. Yeah, he really is. A, he's, a re, he's real progressive, man. He's real progressive. Oh, yeah. Compared to the popes that we've had before, he's, oh, you know. yeah. He's amazing. I mean, he he hasn't exactly been there as far as uh, women's rights and, and advancement and that cause is concerned, but yeah. I, I would say in every other area, he's he's excelled and gone above and beyond the call of duty. And yeah. uh, you know, even as a Baptist, I I respect the guy. I think he's incredible. Um, I've never been you know, one I, of those. Go ahead, Jenna. I was just gonna say, <clears throat> excuse me. I am. Um, what they call a renegade Catholic, you know, which is Lutheran, mm-hmm. but, um, and I don't go to church anymore, or don't consider myself that way, but I love this Pope, and except for, he sucks on women, um, and I think this, you know, the gay rights issues stink, you know, I mean, I, I think it's nice that he goes around saying that we're supposed to love everybody, and everybody is supposed to be you know, wonderful, do the thing, you know, Jesus says, love one another. But then he's still not inclusive of women and gay rights and some of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Kim Davis and her lawyers would try to make this and spin this like the Pope agrees with her and showing her a sign of support, to me is so repugnant. It is. Just repugnant. That's evil. That's real evil. It is, because what did people say after they first started hearing about this? I mean, it made everybody really down on the Pope and um, Mm -hmm. not that he's a hero, but, you know. I I would say as far as Popes go, he's he's pretty close, but... um... (laughs) He's kind of a he's kind of a rock star one. Yeah, he's a rock star pope. Yeah. And when he came here, they showed him a lot of love. Oh yeah. And you know what I love about him is he didn't you know like eat like you know like how the VIPs from other countries come and eat with the top people. I like that he came to eat with the poor. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know that was pretty cool, man. Yeah, I love that too. His his humility is yeah. is one of the things I respect about him the most. Yeah. And wasn't that, which one was it when he was in uh, Pittsburgh, wasn't it? Was that the church that got uh, shut down by the Catholic Church? And then he went over there um, across the street and met with those people that were put out. It was the only Catholic church that was black, black Catholic church. I think it was. Yeah. I'm not and sure. I, I think that. that was kind of a, I think that was kind of a statement. Well, I heard mm-hmm. that on MIP. <laughs> Mark Thompson. <Yeah. laughs> he, and, he and Reverend Barber are buds, and I love Reverend Barber, so he's on there once a week usually. Oh, cool. Well, I'll, I will have to check out that show. Uh, but, yeah, I, I had uh, seen that story somewhere. I can't remember if it was Pittsburgh or not, but... Um, yeah, just just doing that was amazing, and it does make it does make a huge statement. You know, he's not in a he's not in a pope mobile. He's not removed from the people he's getting out there, and he's he's being like Jesus as 
Lauren said in uh, her very uh, recently released um, topical comedy song. Sorry. The exact phrasing she used escaped me. But at any rate, uh, we are going to go ahead and run here to uh, uh, another quick break. Uh, we are going to have the high tower lowdown on for you. Uh, a little bit more this week on Fiorina. You can tell which candidate gets my ire the most at this point. And uh, once we come back, we will have on Snork to talk about some science. So go ahead and stay tuned to Southern Progressive Revival. We'll be right back here with you in just a moment. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores, we obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays, and we plot along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Who is Carly Fiorina, and should you care? I'll tell you today on Hightower Radio. In 1992, Ross Perot chose a complete unknown to be his presidential running mate. In his first debate, that VP candidate began by asking a question, Who am I? Why am I here? The same should be asked about Carly Fiorina, the Republican presidential contender who has surged in recent polls of GOP primary voters. Her campaign is positioning her as a no-nonsense, successful corporate chieftain who can run government with business-like efficiency. In a recent debate, Fiorina rattled off a list of her accomplishments as CEO of Hewlett-Packard, the high-tech conglomerate. We doubled the size of the company, quadrupled its top-line growth rate, quadrupled its cash flow, tripled its rate of innovation, she declared in PowerPoint style. Statistics, however, can be a sophisticated way of lying. In fact, the growth she bragged about was mostly the result of her buying another computer giant in a merger that proved to be disastrous. Hewlett-Packard's profits declined 40% in her six years, its stock price plummeted, and she fired 30,000 workers, even saying publicly that their jobs should be shipped overseas. Finally, she was fired. Before we accept her claim that running government like a business would be a positive, note that the narcissistic corporate culture richly rewarded Fiorina for failure. Yes, she was fired, but unlike the thousands of HP employees she dumped, a golden parachute was provided to let her land in luxury. Counting severance pay, stock options, and pension, she was given $42 million to go away. This is Jim Hightower saying, but here she comes again. Lacking even an iota of humility, this personification of corporate greed and economic inequality is now throwing out a blizzard of lies to hide who she is and to bamboozle Republicans into thinking she belongs in the White House. Hightower's commentary is brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown. From Wall Street to Washington, this monthly newsletter reveals who's doing what to whom and why. Check it out, HightowerLowdown.org. Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 
Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature, every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. <laughs> Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Don't change that dial. If you do, I'll know. Like a sneaky ninja, I will know. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back for hour two of Southern Progressive Revival. I want to uh, thank once again uh, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, for being on the program tonight. Thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. And <clears throat> Snork says he didn't realize his Skype was off. So oh, okay. He's, looks like he's available. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we will uh, go ahead and get him added back in. And, uh, of course, uh, we also want to welcome back uh, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, Joey. Hello, Joey. Joey. Okay, apparently he has stepped away from the keyboard, but we'll get back to him to I'm a minute. Sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my fellow Southerners. Good to be here. Yes. <laughs> Welcome back, sir. And and is that Mr. Adam Hebert? I see. Uh, uh look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Excellent. Welcome to the program, sir. You made it in early. I'm glad that you got home in time. Yes. All right, and without any further ado, we are going to go ahead and introduce our damn Yankee for the night, your very own Snork, a.k.a. Mitch, with the jingle that is for the damn Yankee. So here we go. Where do you come from? Damn Yankee. Of course, I'm just visiting here. Why don't you just tell me your side of the story? Your <laughs> Yankee friend is waiting for you in the bar. Oh. All right, Snork, are you there, sir? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, I want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you for coming on as our damn Yankee and lending us your expertise as a man of science. Okay, how can I help? Well, uh, we've got a number of questions for you tonight, but uh, I, I just wanted to, to start out, since this is damn Yankee and you of course, get to look at the South from up North and you have the background in science that you do. Um, I was curious as to what you think from your perspective is the greatest environmental geological, what have you threat to the South as a whole? Uh, it is just the hatred of anything to do with science. Uh, and, uh, I really worry about, uh, getting anything uh, accomplished uh, in in actually the, the central part. Uh, I would say if I had to put ground zero, it would be somewhere in the middle of Tennessee uh, that uh, mm. it doesn't seem like uh, they support anything with science. Or at wow. least that's the perception of someone from the north. 
Yeah, and I can I can definitely understand how it's that way. And there are you know a number of people here, uh, particularly the evangelicals who are very loud and very boisterous, who uh, hate science, who want to do everything they can to deny it, up to and including the fact that we discovered water on Mars. So, you know, in anything that they can say. <laughs> is a lie or a trick uh they will do it but uh thankfully we don't all feel that way but i can understand there was such a huge backlash in the 70s from the announcements of what uh came from the uh i believe it was the viking uh uh, missions Mm -hmm. uh that uh, uh they were afraid every step of the way to mention any success that even uh uh, the the previous ground rovers on the Mars found. Huh. I was wow. ac- I was actually not aware of that. Since they were I'm so a... afraid that anything they released might get their funding re- removed, uh, as as what happened to the Hubble. Uh, the Hubble uh, was put under the control of people who didn't believe that the universe was or existed more than six thousand years ago mm. in did not uh, like uh, the information that kept coming out of the Hubble as if it was real. Yeah, those darn creationists, they will get you every single time. Um, but but knowing that and, and everything as it were, um, I'm uh, curious, uh, were you listening at the first part of the show? No, I, I did miss the, the earlier part of the show. Okay, uh, well, we were talking to um, Ryan and Fionn. Uh, at the beginning about the Duke Energy settlement with the state of North Carolina over coal ash. And I know that I had seen you in chat before uh, talking about, you know, what all coal ash contained. Um, but I was just curious because, you know, as, as a reporter, she knew a lot of the elements that were contained in it, um, uh, a lot of the, <laughs> the health conditions that could possibly come from it. Uh, but what sort of short-term and long-term effects does coal ash dumps have on on the people near them or the people that are playing in the the water where that was dumped or uh drinking it you know what 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 sort of dangers do they face it's uh really a uh uh a, a roulette wheel of things that could happen one of the contaminants that people least realize that's in coal ash is that it is it does contain uh radionuclides uh, anything from uranium to any of the daughter products you could imagine from, from uranium. Because when the coal was laid down many millennia ago, uh, it was in a period of time when the volcanoes were spewing um, uh, radioactive materials. Wow. So uh, uh, once you throw uh, that dice into the, the pit, you don't know what you're asking about. And of course, the coal is ash, is the concentrated waste of that. Yeah, and I can imagine that that probably would lead to any number of conditions, up to and and including cancer, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, and if in the uh, the actual uh, for toxicology, you you have different grades. There are what they call carcinogens; they cause cancer. Mm. Uh, there's what are called. Uh, uh, mutagens which uh cause deformed children uh and they're also called teratogens uh where uh extremely uh, deformed children gosh that's wow now she said she didn't know because she had seen people die 
you know, in that film, like within, I don't know, three or four years, they had 12 people that they had interviewed that had died, or nine people, I don't remember exactly which, but it was a high number. And she said some of these people were exhibiting Alzheimer's, but she hadn't found studies on that. Would that, do you think that is a possibility? Alzheimer's, cancer, she said, uh, people missing fingers. Well, um, I'm 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 not aware of the the, the case uh, missing finger. Um, I, I don't know the mechanism that she's referring to. Uh, if somebody got cancer, sure they could lose a finger. Uh, uh, even if uh, something caused a blood loss to uh, to to the arm, you could start losing fingers. But uh. Uh, any given mechanism would be too tough. It it is not one chemical that is in the pile, and it is a distribution of chemicals, so that uh, even testing on one side of a pond couldn't actually give you a proper characteristic of what's throughout the pond. Wow! It's wow. also going to be a parfait. What's at the bottom of the lake is not going to be the same as what's at the top. Yeah, and that's something I was curious about because they're doing the top water cleanup, but but isn't there going to be residual stuff in the soil that that's going to linger? It's it's uh, doesn't even end at the soil. Uh, you you can never expect any cleanup to be a hundred percent. And Not how even sugar? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and uh, I mean, how long does does that stay around? I mean, is there a, a specific time period? Is is it? I, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, 1,000 years? Less than 4 billion. Less than 4 billion? Whoa. Wow. I mean, you can't characterize it beyond that. <laughs> yeah. Other, other than that, uh, that's probably the best estimate you'll hear. Wow. That is amazing. Until that, wow. Until that ground either, until either the earth is gone or that ground gets turned over in a volcano. Hmm. That is terrible. Um, I, well, to, to sort of spread the questions around, I know that uh, Janet had some questions for you about the uh, recent flooding that's taken place uh, due to the storm front that moved through the uh, Carolinas. So I will not monopolize you anymore, but I will hand the mic over to uh, Janet. And uh, after she gets through that, Joey, Adam, if you have any questions, feel free to chime in. Okay, I was just going to ask, all right, the flooding... That's taken that um, whatever is in the ponds or the fracking stuff, and that's moving it right along to the rest of us too, right? Always, always has been. It's just now more extreme. Uh, uh, that's pretty much the goal of anybody that ponds it is they're wishing for some event to come switch, switch it away and say that it wasn't their fault. Ah, I see, I see. Once it and, gets into the normal environment, then it's called dissipated. And gee, it just isn't a problem anymore. Wow. And I was going to ask, too, like, um, I all right, the water shortages, got, and I know this is kind of a switch, but, like, the water swor- so- shortages in California are severe. My section of the country, we've been getting normal water and, and at sometimes even higher than normal where we've had flooding. And now, of course, they're getting it on the East Coast. This is, to me, 
climate change because I've seen so many things that are not normal. And at this time of the year, we should be having, we should have just gone through another tornado season. We haven't had any. So I'm kind of concerned with this setup the way it is right now that we're going to end up seeing some this winter. That's always a possibility. Does that make No, uh, I mean, uh, even the region you live in uh, near near the boundary of Kansas and, and Missouri has always had severe tornadoes as late as uh, into November, but not at the frequency that's been in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, what happens is, think of... Uh, Think of moisture in the air as uh, an indicator of how much energy is in the atmosphere. The sad thing about the drought out west is that there's more water in the air than there's been in millions of years. Uh, It's just that the air is able to suck up more water at the temperatures that it's at. So the water doesn't want to go back down to the ground. But as it's carried over the hot region, it gets onto our, into the area out here past the Mississippi River or past where about the Missouri-Kansas border is. And the air starts cooling down and it can't hold that large amount of water that all that heat out west was able to suck a sponge of, of air into. And the water's getting dumped. And each year uh, during these weather changes, we are seeing huge amounts of water dumped in the Dakotas, huge amounts of snow dumped in the uh, northern areas, uh, and uh, uh, rains keep hitting that each time you hear it's a 500-year 500 500 rain. Well, you can't have a 500-year rain every year unless yeah. something's changed. Uh, and I did hear that uh, the Carolinas got a 1,000-year rain. So nobody's ever seen seen one like this for a very long time. Wow. Yeah, and okay, I'm, I'm going to let Adam or Joey or somebody else. Yeah, Adam, Joey, do you guys have any questions? Uh, not that I can think of. I'm just I reminded a, I'm reminded a lot um, of what I learned in my uh, geology and. Um, meteorology class because we had to go over like you know 100 year floods versus five year floods and stuff like that so I, I have a basic understanding of um what uh uh snarky is saying and i i thoroughly enjoyed geology class in, in in school uh the main thing that i took away from from geology class is that geologists lick rocks <laughs> they lick rocks. It, it, it's one, one of the standard tests. Taste, you know, check taste. its color. Check what it looks like. Put a drop of hydrogen chloride on it to see if yep, it bubbles, yep, yep. and then lick it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's arsenic. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's that's one of the tests. There's this. There's the uh, Mohs test where you scratch it to determine its um, hardness. Of course, where we get you know the idea of diamonds being the hardest substance known man. There's the the uh, acid test. You, you, if hydrochloric acid reacts with something, it's it, it originally was formed from organic materials, which is why limestone reacts with uh, hydrochloric acid because it is it, it's formed from 
uh, fossilized seashells. Ah, huh, I did not know that. <laughs> that is. Are really you hot. saying you're easily blinded by science? I was waiting for a chance to get that. Yes, yes, I am blinded by science. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm just sitting here thinking, oh my god, we're screwed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that bad. No, I'm thinking between what she said and what Snork said, I'm just like, oh. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. I know. It's time to move. Hey, it look like, looks like I'm going to have to read up on some more stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude. I'm about to study some more. I feel you. <laughs> After hearing this, I'm about ready to start uh, Mars Progressive yeah. Revival. <laughs> so. <laughs> I yeah. hear Mars is a nice place, no atmosphere. Thank you! I'm here all week. Tell your friends. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, I I did have one question. I'm, I'm not sure if it, it follows under your area of expertise, though. Um, but we, we spent the better part of this week uh, working on alternative ways to get on the air in case Joaquin made landfall in North Carolina. Thankfully, it didn't. Uh, we did have the, the storm front come through, though. And uh, particularly here in the Piedmont where I live and the cities of Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point, um, we have really poor infrastructure in regards to our power lines and our transformers. And every time we have sustained high winds or an excessive amount of rain or snow or ice, the power is usually the very first thing to go. Um, so I, I'm thankful we were spared from the hurricane and we've not had anything that's really taken out our power for any meaningful period of time. But do you know why the infrastructure in the South is, is constructed the way it is? And if there are any cost-efficient ways of improving that in the future? Yes, uh, there is a barrier in place to prevent that from happening. Uh, and uh, it's extremely political, and I would like to see it overturned. Uh, because uh, we have the same problem up here. Our most vulnerable thing is electricity. Uh, the uh, suspended wires... Uh, to me, uh, they take so much money, so much care, and present so much danger. A, a, a grounded high-voltage uh, high line hitting the ground can kill a person within 30 feet of where it touches the ground. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, if your feet are beside each other, if you imagine a circle drawn around the, the wire, uh, the point where it's touching the ground, if your feet were on the circle, you live. But if one of your feet is in front of you, uh, uh, closer than the circle, and one is farther, you die. Uh, and uh, 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 the safe, one safety program I went through on on, on high wire, uh, a a truck that was maintaining a wire actually came in contact with the wire, and within three minutes, the truck was ash. Oh, wow. Oh, it's one of those maintenance trucks with a bucket. Just completely took it to ash uh, in just the, that short of time. Um, we, we had a strike by our house uh, that uh, uh, drilled a hole in the road uh, approximately four feet deep, um, shot, uh, ex exploded a tree, and just like shrapnel, it went into the houses around us. Uh, our neighbor was on vacation. And uh, uh, actually, that was very lucky for the neighbors not to be home that day. 
uh, and uh, uh, it just melted the concrete where it was where the multiple melted wires, concrete. Yes, multiple melted wires con- fell. Concrete uh, can have a high concentration of iron in it, and uh, if it's moist, uh, it uh, will conduct electricity. If it conducts electricity and it has high resistance, that's the path where the heat's made. So, uh, uh, given uh, a very, very high voltage, it's not just 120 volts when it's up there in those power lines, uh, that uh, it, it will find a way to get down there and uh, major sparking for maybe 20 minutes until they were able to get the neighborhood isolated. So then you would say, put the wires under the ground? Get the wires under the ground. There's ways to prevent them from being vulnerable to even floods. Uh, There is a a group called the Skokie Eruv, E-R-U-V. They have a legal team that actually files lawsuits to prevent anybody from trying to put their wires on the ground. Huh. E-R-U-V. UV. E-R-U-V. Okay. That's terrible. Huh. huh. Um, I, I, I have to ask, I hadn't planned on asking this question, but but since you were suggesting wires under the ground, um, I, I'm a fan of, uh, of Tesla. And, of course, he had his um, uh, laboratory center, what, what have you, in uh, New York, where he was planning on sending electricity out from that to to homes without the use of wires um i mean i I know that sort of way back in the day you know it's something that never came to fruition but um do you know much about that is is that yeah yeah, something that would ever be feasible uh but uh that has its good points and its bad points um basically uh to gather electricity where you need it with that system, you make antennas. Mm-hmm. The problem I see with it, it is very easy for antennas to naturally occur and for you to have power where you don't want it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't want to see. So uh, as much as and it's real convenient, I, I don't mind near fielding. Near fielding is where you generate a magnetic field uh, in a short distance away. Uh, you collect it and use it for for power that's currently being used with uh, some cell phones and some other portable devices mm-hmm. again it's in a controlled controlled manner where it's not broadcasting all throughout your house at a level of power capable of charging something uh there are people that will t- that will take and uh gang up antennas and use uh, radio waves, broadcast radio waves for, for making their own electricity. And that is possible now. Oh, that's um, super cool. In the 70s, we caught the Russians uh, um, microwave or beaming microwaves at our embassy, and they were actually using the same concept to power their uh, bugs they had in the American embassy. Huh. And they were bump- pumping so much power into the American embassy that our embassy people were getting leukemia. Oh my gosh. So, um, there are some of these ideas that, yeah, Tesla knew what he was doing. Tesla also had the ability, uh, using magnetism, uh, to, um, he had a magnetic laxative. So, uh, things can affect the body. It was one of his favorite jokes was to, uh, 
<laughs> make people have to go urgently. <laughs> so, uh, uh, what do you think about solar power? Oh, I'd love solar power. Anywhere uh, south of uh, 60 degrees, uh, beyond 60 degrees latitude, uh, uh, everything should be white. We don't want yeah. green up there. Uh, but uh, yeah. on these uh, southern latitudes, um, we either should either be making solar power, or we should be growing something, or it should be reflecting the light back up. We have a problem with temperature on the planet. Uh, the, one of the worst types of pollution that we have overall is thermal. Uh, none of our power works if we don't have the ability to go from hot to cold. So the baseline of how cold something is on this planet is the limit to how well we are able to generate power. Wow. Well, uh, Tom said you'd need to build a Faraday cage around the U.S. Embassy. Yeah, how a Faraday cage works is um, electricity and magnetism are, um, their two realms are so interweaved between each other that if you collapse one, you collapse the other. So by, and, and radio waves are somewhere between electricity and magnetism, depending on which portion of the, of, of the second you're at. And uh, uh, what a Faraday cage is, it makes electrical connection completely around you so that everywhere, anything that is electric field that could be around you gets absorbed by that cage, then nothing can come through to where you are. And... Um, I'm I'm just guessing that that's probably what they did. That is ah. so cool. <laughs> yes, thank, well, thank we you. We have got to have you back sometime. I'm telling you. Yes, indeed, Mitch. This 30 minutes went by and very I had quickly. Nothing to do with, with the the embassy. I'm not giving away any technology. Uh, I'm not involved <laughs> with them in one bit. Understood. Thank you very much for that disclaimer. All right. Well, uh, Snorky, a.k.a. Mitch, uh, thank you so much for being on the program tonight, sir, and for being our damn Yankee. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was fun to be on. Thanks. All right. Well, thank I you. This half hour went, yeah, this it half went hour so went fast. so fast. <laughs> it really did. Got to did. have you back. Yes, indeed. Got to have you back. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mitch. Bye. All right, folks, we are going to go ahead and run to a break. Uh, on this break, we are going to play a new macaroni tune that I discovered and thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, one of the perks of being host of a show is that I get to air the music I like. So <laughs> let me know what you think about it <laughs> in the chat room. Uh, if you like it, I will air it again in the future. And when we get back, we will get on to our Don't Know Shit from Applesauce segment. So stay tuned here on Southern Progressive Revival for more very, very soon. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Yeah. Uh. 
they come Some call them haters, I know you know one Or two, three, or four, probably no more May even have haters living next door Might be related, might be your homies I know you can spot them because they so phony I call them busters, cause you can't trust them Smile in your face, turn your back, they say fuck ya They ain't your friends, they only pretend Do something good, they be hating again Talking about you can't accomplish your dreams Cause they can't do it, they plotting, they scheme Look at your roster, see what I mean Separate haters from who's on your team Separate haters because you don't need them I'll never join them, I only beat them If I don't get mines, you don't get yours I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater You said you did what, well I did that before I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater You got something new, well I just a hater, I'm just a hater, whatever you say, I already do, cause I'm just uh. a hater, I'm just a hater. Now women got haters, you know that they do, get your hair done, they be hating on you, get your nails done, they be saying that you, stuck on yourself, but they know that ain't true, haters they come in all shapes and colors, if you see them then you should burn rubber, you should get out before it's too late. Cut your losses if they start to hate They ain't your friends, they only pretend Do something good, they be hating again Talking about you can't accomplish your dreams Cause they can't do what they plot and they scheme Look at your roster, see what I mean Separate haters from who's on your team Separate haters because you don't need them I'll never join them, I only beat them If I don't get mines, you don't get yours I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater You said you did what, well I did that before I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater You got something new, well I got that too I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater Whatever you say, I already do Cause I'm just a hater, I'm just a hater into Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. I am your host, Jonathan, and that song there uh, goes out to all of the hater Republican conservatives who think that they can put down the progressives here in the South. So I hope that you enjoy that as much as me. I just put that out there in the chat if you'd like to hear it again, and we will queue it up uh, in future shows. So I uh, would like to welcome back to the program in reverse order, uh, Mr. Adam Hebert, host of Mike Check Radio from Enterprise, Alabama. Welcome back, Adam. Who are you again? Ah, yes, I, I am Bob Dole, is who I am. No, no. Jonathan Matthews here. <laughs> and, of course, we have our, our very special guest uh, co-host here, uh, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, everyone. Yes, thank you so much for being here again. And our own Ms. producer, Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. 
Hi, everybody. All right. So we are going to go ahead and get into our Don't Know Shit from Applesauce segment. We've got some fun stuff to discuss tonight, and I'm glad that Adam is here to discuss it with us because he is uh, kicking ass and taking names. So let's go ahead and get that jingle queued up, and we will get right into it. All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple question. Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? But I will ask that everyone please behave. He's a lunatic, I'm telling you. Can I help you with that? Y'all don't know shit from applesauce. All right, welcome to Don't Know Shit from Applesauce, the part of the program where we talk about the individuals who don't know shit from applesauce. Uh, so we are going to start off tonight with a man who we all, I am sure, can agree across the board does not know anything, uh, his butt from a hole in the ground, Mr. Ben Carson, presidential candidate uh, who is flying up in the polls for some reason that I don't understand. But he had some uh, interesting things to say about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, made a joke that was pretty inappropriate. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now and get Adam's opinion on it first. Anybody remember throwing rocks at cars when they were young? All right, there were a few honest people. Everybody did it. But, uh, you know, because it was so much fun, because, you know, those uh, old people, they would sometimes get angry and they would stop the car and they would get out and they would chase you and we would run slowly to encourage them and then uh, when they were nearby we were gone like a flash but you know sometimes the police would come always in unmarked cars and uh, they'd be chasing us across the field and they would think they had trapped us there were these tall fences they were about 10 feet tall They had no idea how adept we were at getting over those fences. I mean, full speed ahead, never break stride, leap high into the fence, allow the momentum of your feet to swing you over the top, drop down on the other side all in one motion, and laugh at them because they couldn't do that. Now, that was back in the days before they would shoot you. And then, uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know they wouldn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, Adam, oh my gosh, please, if you were not asleep, tear him a new asshole. <laughs> I, uh, you can I, start, but leave some for us. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, he's making light. He's joking about unarmed African-American teenagers being gunned down by cops. What else can I say? The guy, this just, I mean, again, conservatism is a form of sociopathy. This guy has no remorse. It's it's a big joke to him. Just like I'm pretty sure they're all laughing about those people who died Thursday. It's a a big joke to them. They're soulless monsters. And the only reason Ben Carson is running for, is, considered to be qualified to run for president is he's a black conservative which is basically the political equivalent of a unicorn yeah pretty much um and i i really (laughs) (laughs) i really want to get joey's opinion on this i I know that you don't have uh i I mean you you don't agree with absolutely everything that black lives matter uh does no i no i don't but but uh you know i I, how dare he sit there and make fun of fun of that and make fun of black men getting shot and and the other day a black man in a wheelchair got gunned down like an animal in the street 
Mm. Yeah, he had a gun on, but it was a self-inflicted wound. And he did not raise the gun that towards them cops. And he, this clown is making fun of that. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. And just... That pisses me off, man. I'm sure. It's... I, I just... I don't understand... And I, and I, I'm sorry, man, but I know... I know it's been times that he got pulled over by cops being profiled. I know this. And he's a dark, darker-skinned brother than me. And I know it. I know he's been pulled over. Mm-hmm. And harassed by white cops. Racist white cops. Piece of shit. Yeah, man, he's he's now 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 now. I'm sorry, man, That's... but it fires me up, dude. For you know to sit up and see a black man make fun of unarmed black man getting gunned down, man, in the streets by cops, man. I don't you know, blame you, you at all. You go for it, Joy. Yeah, you go for it. What were you no, gonna no. say, Adam? Let's yeah. not let's not insult pieces of shit. Okay, manure serves a vital purpose in the world. <laughs> Well, you know, right, man. Ben, ben Carson, Carson doesn't. Look, look. <laughs> let me put it this way: if if the country were a human body, the Republican Party would be an, an appendix, a, a sack of shit you can remove and be better for it. Yep. Got a point, man. This is very true. And uh, Janet, I want to turn to you because uh, I, I know that he said some things about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and I know that you probably have your own set of opinions on what he said and and making light of this. And uh, it, it, it's honestly hard to wrap my mind around it. But uh, Well, number Janet, one, he, he made a joke of throwing rocks at cars. He thought that was cute. So, great on being a good role model for kids. And you want to be president? And then he says that uh, we ran and jumped over the fence. Of course, that's before they killed people, and we all know what that was. But another thing, too, you hear a predominantly white audience laughing with him. So, in other words, he's keeping up this ha-ha-ha black lives are dying and he's saying it's okay to make a joke of it mm -hmm. and they're laughing along with him in other words he continues to stoke that um, narrative do you know what I'm saying does that make sense yeah it does I mean it's it's he's yeah he's he's uh -huh. completely sold out yeah and he's making fun of the fact that you know making it sound like well <laughs> and then he's talking again about the work of the police okay yes there are good cops but you know you don't really hear of them all that much and every once in a while when I go on a rant on my Facebook page about police then I have a few people that say oh look what this one did look what this one did and Tom's right KKK and blackface very good um, right and on, <laughs> wherever mark thompson calls him an uncle tom <laughs> i'm saying he said it i didn't <laughs> yeah, you're um, right safe you're right man you're right 100 right 
and got them and so then, and you know they're like you know I I you know like I told Kenny once before I dread black Republicans they sold yeah. their souls man they sold their souls to evil people yeah well and then he says we don't go out and um, eliminate them what what we don't go out and try to kill them. We need society to grow up and start allowing ourselves to be divided. What the hell is he talking about? Don't eliminate the police. Why not talk about your people mm-hmm. that are getting killed? Seriously? That doesn't mean we go out and eliminate. He was talking about the police. I don't know. I... I, I the police put their lives on the line every day how about the people that put their lives on the line every day just because of melanin in their skin just to go out and walk out the door mm-hmm. and if he was a white person I'd say he had white privilege and by the way this guy is a sociopath I, I was trying to find the article about him um, trying to hit his mother was it his mother that he hit with a hammer and then two friends that he went after two different times this guy's a sociopath. Ben Carson? Yes. Well, like I said, conservatism is a form of sociopathy. If you look at the textbook definition of sociopathy and you compare it to displayed behavior from the typical conservative, it nicely matches up. You know, conservatism is literally a mental disease. Yep, and he, but he was a kid when he did it, but it doesn't matter. I mean, anytime he would get mad at somebody, they'd pay. Hmm. Yeah, now he has this very calm demeanor, and he tries to be affable and, and funny. And uh, But he's Trump in disguise. He's like a little yeah. wolf. Oh, he yeah. doesn't have orange hair. Yeah. <laughs> that crazy. That crazy this is what? was down here yesterday. Oh, All Trump really? was. Yeah, he was. He was in the like uh, Franklin, Tennessee. You know, Franklin is that's where all the, all the old money is. You know, the old slave owners' money. Mm-hmm. You know, all the rich people. That's where the where all like the, most of the Tennessee Titan players live. You know, it's real. It's a real rich town. You know, he was he was there, and he had one of the country stars. I'm not gonna say his name. You know. Dad opened it up for him, and he was saying all kind of crap, the same crap he always said. Oh, he's a nice guy. You know what I mean? That's how I heard. <laughs> but, you know, you know how he talks. You know? I, I watched it on the news, you know, the local news here. And I'm like, man, you know, he shit, man. <laughs> yeah, he was here yesterday, you know. But I'm glad his ass is gone. He had a nice little crowd, too, there. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, but I, you know what though? I, 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 you know what? I hope he do become the Republican nominee. Who That'd Carson or? Uh, no, Trump. Uh, Donald Trump. But you know, we on the Carson subject right now. But you know, but you know, Carson, he's an asshole. He's a straight yeah. up an asshole, man. I can't believe I can't believe that what he said, man. I cannot believe that. That pissed me off. Mm-hmm. That pissed me off, man. Yeah, I, I don't I blame you. I couldn't believe it either. I couldn't believe it when I heard that. I was like, oh, yeah, we're playing this. Yeah, and... <laughs> we're going to let Adam go after him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I wanted to, to mention it here on the air because um, I have a couple, quote-unquote, 
friends on Facebook, uh, one of which I knew in college and, and one I knew at the Christian high school I attended. And they're both on Team Ben. And they posted this fun little picture of oh. Ben Carson sitting in the back of his SUV, holding up a sign saying, I am a Christian. And uh, my, my friend from college was like, go Team Ben. Oh my gosh, he's so awesome. And I, I kind of messaged him as an aside, and I was like, why do you like this guy? And he was like, because he's a smart black guy. And I'm like, how, how is that a, a qualifier? And, and, and where exactly do you get the idea that he's intelligent from? So I just let that lie. But the, the comment that really got me was the comment after that, which was a lady who said, uh, I bet President Obama would never do that. What? Yeah. President Obama you, got more you knowledge did... in his thumb that, he, that, that Ben Carson got in his brain. But yep. Let's be clear. You did unfriend this jackass, right? Oh, yeah. He's unfriended now. Okay. <laughs> you have chosen wisely. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, 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 you know what? I keep... Uh, let me put it this way. I, I, I have a couple of conservative friends, most notably Armin. I keep Armin around for the same reason the cat keeps a mouse around. <laughs> I just, one, one day, I'm going to get bored, and I'm going to rip the head off. Yeah. And leave it at the foot of the stairs. <laughs> I, I want to make it clear, I'm not literally talking about decapitating someone. It's a Thank metaphor. You. Thank you. It's a metaphor. <laughs> it's just like that one time. Southern Remember? Progressive Revival. It's it's that one like that one time, remember, Jonathan, when I said I like to drink Coke and I had to correct the record and say, I don't actually literally drink liquefied cocaine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I'm glad that you're clearing the record here live on Southern Progressive Revival. <laughs> Oh my gosh, but yeah, these these Ben fanatics, I'm just, oh gosh, I have no idea. Behold the power of stupid. These are stupid people who will follow, yeah. I mean, why is Trump popular? Because he says out loud what has become culturally unacceptable to do so. They, they are expected to whisper the N-word while he's just running around like a jackass screaming at the top of his lungs. Mm -hmm. Well, And that's and, why they like him. And also, too, they are, those two are more popular than the Republican Party because they're not part of the Republican Party. I mean, I, I really think that those Ben Carson idiots, is a registered Republican. No, no, no. I mean, they're not in government. You know, oh, like, they well, don't, sorry. they don't, I said that wrong, or poorly. I'm sorry, but I took it too literally. They're not part of the government. You know what I mean? They're not part of the government, and so they see everybody as part of the government as being bad, including their own party. Mm -hmm. So they have these two that are outside of the party, and they think, yeah, hell yeah, man, they're one of us. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, and it's that same momentum that's driving Fiorina forward. And uh, I know a lot of people don't know it, but Ben Carson and Fiorina are both um, residents of the state of Virginia which is why we're covering them here on the program. Um, but And Fiorina is also being funded by Ted Cruz. I found that out, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. A douchebag found, founding, founding a douchebag. That's yeah. typical. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, fi- oh lord, Fiorina. Normally just, I hate mm. that word, but you know, in this case it works. Yeah. I guess, I guess a, 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 the bush number three is, 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 is not gonna, you know, be the man, huh? Uh, the Bush they, they, family name is worth. I, I it's not even worth dog shit. <laughs> yeah, wow. he he's polling at four percent right now, which is within the margin of error. He's he's done. You know, <laughs> w, w did such a just. I mean, did just such a terrible job. It's going to take generations before a Bush will be elected to the office of dog catcher, let alone governor or. Uh, president, he just did that awful, and it doesn't help that apparently all those myths about Jeb being the smart one were uh, exaggerated. I'm saying if this if this were an episode of Myth, but if this were an episode of MythBusters, Jamie and I would be saying busted. <laughs> yes. If you put a fork in it. It's over. It's done. <laughs> Yes, indeed. And uh, this actually was meant to be, uh, since we're running short on time, this this was meant to be a part of the uh, Gander at the Soapbox segment, but we'll just include it um, in Don't Know Shit from Applesauce, because I think it's appropriate. Um, <laughs> Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, uh, had something interesting to say about Ted Cruz. Um, he, he, he thinks Ted Cruz is finished, but not for the reasons that you might expect. So let's go ahead and get to that audio here real quick. Well, you know, Ted has chosen to make this really personal and call people dishonest in leadership and call them names, which really goes against the decorum and also against the rules of the Senate. And as a consequence, he can't get anything done legislatively. He's he's pretty much done for and stifled. Um, and it's really because of uh, personal relationships or lack of personal relationships. And it is a problem. But uh, I approach things a little different. I'm just as hardcore in saying what we're doing is wrong. I just don't uh, choose to call people liars on the Senate floor. And uh, it's just a matter of different perspectives on how best to get at the end result. So, Joey, uh, Rand Paul thinks that Ted Cruz's problem isn't that he's insane, but that he isn't a proper Southern gentleman like Senator Paul. Any thoughts on that? Oh, I tell the truth, man, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. You know, and Ted Cruz not a, you know, is not Southern enough. Ah, uh, man, uh, dude, you got me there, brother. You got, I'm sorry. You got me there, man. <laughs> this just shows what a monumental jackass Ted Cruz is. I'm, I'm mm. sorry, Joey. Uh, I'm fine, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is the Republican Party hates him because he has no impulse control. He he just says whatever is on his mind. Um, and the fact of the matter is he will, you know, he's going to be a one-term senator because even Texas doesn't have standards that low. They gave him a chance because he has an R next to his name, but he will be primaried out, guaranteed, because he has nothing. He has, you know, the, the fact matters. The man's not even eligible to hold that seat. He's he's he because he when did he renounce his Canadian citizenship? Well, after he was elected to the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, you have to be a naturalized citizen to hold the elected office in the United States. He wasn't a naturalized citizen at the time. Ergo, he shouldn't even have that seat. Okay. 
Absolutely. And I mean, I... If you I look at, oh, no, sorry. go ahead, Adam. Sorry, go I, ahead. I was going to say, if you look at the facts, the fact of the matter is, when he was elected to the US, United States Senate, he was a Canadian citizen. His parent, his mother had given up her Canadian citizenship Canadian, uh, her, her American citizenship while living in Canada. She was a Canadian citizen when he was born. Raphael, you know, uh, Grandpa Munster, or, you know, Bella Lugosi was not an American citizen. Ted Cruz is not eligible to hold any elected office in this country. Mm-hmm. And, I, and they just, they're just, just taking up space, not, you know, not helping to pass laws for the American people. You know, they just taking up space. He's and, wasting know, valuable dumb, oxygen. Yeah, and you got dumbass <laughs> people out there voting for these type of people, misinformed people. You know, just just because, like you said, just got an R beside their name. Yeah, you know, that, that, that's all it's gonna take for them to vote for that this jerk. You yeah, know, or jerk at. You know, we want jerk. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I want to say one thing though. Tom did post in there from Mother Jones that it was a half a million dollars that Ted Cruz gave Carly Fiorina. Oh my gosh. So, you know. Wow. I knew I'd read that somewhere. That's going to pay for a campaign for a whole week. And Mother Jones asked why. We want to know why. Just, just, you know, thought I would bring that up. Because she's as big a prick as he is. Maybe he's vying for the vice presidency since he knows he has no way to win this nomination. Well, I don't think she does either. I well, I sure hope not. I, I mean, I think she has more of a chance than Trump does. But well, or she uh, or a vice president. Maybe he's uh, trying to be on her good side in case she gets to be a vice president. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Just just trying to imagine him in somebody's cabinet or even at that level not not even just not even vice president or president uh it, it scares the bejesus out of me have you seen those those memes where republicans are putting up their dream cabinets with like carly fiorina you know uh what was it uh ted Cruz? Uh, no who who's attorney general trey gowdy you know oh. the, 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 the human incarnation of goofy oh my god okay <laughs> The man who, when he talks, sounds like a fucking cartoon walrus. <laughs> <laughs> and like Tom said, he said exactly, Jonathan. Cruz is desperate to be somebody's number two. Yeah. Cruz is like a child. Okay, this is, t- again, tip- <clears throat> I know I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is typical to conservative mentality. Okay, they want attention. And if they can't get it through positive, you know, methods, they'll get it through negative. You know, they would, you know, they don't care if you swat them on the ass as long as you're paying attention to them. You know, it's just like, like I said, it's like a disobedient child. And the time has come to treat such people like the disobedient children they are. Yes, indeed. And I I hope that we do that at the uh, at the ballot box box during the primaries and in the general next year, because it's just getting crazy. Um I see no way the Republicans can win next year. It's not possible. Yeah, I can't either. And, and unless, I don't know, unless Hillary went on a killing spree. But even then, it, they, it would be difficult. They, they'd have they they would have to you know cheat even more than they cheated in two thousand and two thousand four. Oh yeah. And there's no there's no way <laughs> that's going to go unchecked. 
you know, mm. if, they, if and, they, they, you know, anyway, yes, Janet, I'm sorry. So the, I'm yes. just going to say Southern Progressive Revival, Revival did not mean to insinuate that Hillary Clinton was going to go on a killing spree. Uh, oh, yes. We don't not. need any yes. more rumors. <laughs> I am so sorry. Yes, I, I, I love thought, Hillary. I thought I was about to be censured again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I finally got censored. For, uh, for, first there was the liquid, you know, first there was the, the what was it? The, oh, shit, I forget. Uh, the, the, the liquid cocaine thing. Yes, no indeed. One, <laughs> This is just a night for screwing up. Um, <laughs> all right. So, yes, I, I do apologize to Hillary Clinton and her campaign. I did not mean to insinuate that. I will be voting for Bernie Sanders in the primary. But, ma'am, if you win the nomination, I will gladly vote for you for president. I think you are a phenomenal woman. Uh, you would make a great president. And I will Thank gladly you. support you in your administration. And this show as a whole will support your administration. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and run to break real quick. Uh, since Tom is saying so many great things in the chat room, I think it's time to pull him on as our Southern Hospitality guest. I uh, agree. Yes, indeed. So let's go Thank ahead and you. run to... Yes, sir. All right. We're going to run to break real quick. We'll get uh, we'll get Tom here on the program. And uh, stay tuned. It should be a very fun hour coming ahead. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And we know Democrats support the working men and women of this country, so we understand hard work. So let's talk a little bit about ideas and how we reclaim ideas that we know win in red states. Southern Progressive Revival at Indy Media Weekly Radio. Light out. Everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. <laughs> hey, Joe, what are you doing? Repair on the GOP clown car. What's wrong with it? Well, you know your show. You mean the Tim Coromall show right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com? Yes. Where each week a panel of guests joins us for a progressive roundtable discussion about politics, news, and other fun topics? Yes. And you know how we check out which members of the GOP climbed into the clown car each week? Yes. Well, there's been so many GOP clowns lately, they broke the springs. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yes. But don't worry. With the GOP presidential primary season coming up, the clown car will now have new heavy-duty springs to carry the load. So not only will our show be way better than those Sunday cable shows, we'll also have our very own clown car. Right. Now, close that garage door, Tim, before the clowns get in. Join us in our panel of guests every week right here on Indie Media Weekly. Oh, and don't forget, we have clowns. Dang it, I think a few slipped through. Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern or in prime time on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio at IndieMediaWeekly.com. This is Adam Hebert, a man with breathtaking anger management issues. And I hope that you will listen to my program, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Fuck yeah! Every week on Mike Check Radio, me and my co-hosts, Rob Poole and Kenny Pegg, will talk about the week's news with righteous indignation, facts, 
and a large dose of comedy. Inconceivable! Join us as we try to answer the question of just how many Republican douchebags there are in Washington, D.C. It's over 9,000! <laughs> we'll also crown our assholes of the week during our program. You are the leading asshole in the state. Finally on our show, we'll also talk about the latest in news from video games, comic books, film, science, anime, and manga. All for your entertainment and learning pleasure. Well, that sounds really shallow and stupid. Let's try it. Don't forget, that's Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and only here on Indie Media Weekly Radio. For those who dare. Oh, and Cranker demands that you listen to our program. <laughs> you are crazier than a crap fight in a monkey house. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having a, a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say. I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Declare your independence and reject corporate media. This is Indie Media Weekly, your number one source for independent media. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays. And we plot along, trying to make it better for ourselves and our children. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right. Thank you, Nashville. Thank you, Lake of the Ozarks. And thank you, Enterprise Alabama. Welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival here on Indie Media Weekly. I know that you have all been sitting and waiting patiently for our esteemed resident actor on Indie Media Weekly to get on the program. So without any further ado, let me go ahead and play our Southern Hospitality jingle and welcome Tom onto the program. Southern Hospitality. It is my privilege to extend to you a laurel and hearty handshake. Whatever you take a notion to, I don't aim to put you out none. Mm, no, that's mighty neighborly. Bless your heart. All right, Tom, how are you doing tonight, sir? <laughs> I love that jingle. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, hey, it starts with a drop from Blazing Saddles, so, you know. Absolutely. Speaking <laughs> of, I just bought a copy of that Blu-ray this today. Who can argue with that? <laughs> but oh yeah, it's great to be here, guys. Um, this yeah, this is this marks my trifecta now for the week. Uh, of course, we yeah. had our Tuesday and Friday turn up the night with Kenny Pick, and then I was on Adam's show, Mike Check Radio last night, and now Thank I'm here. So wow, um, yeah, hit, hitting hitting the thrilled. hitting the trifecta. Yeah, you. Have... Joey's just been going nuts. Like I can't wait for Tom to get on. Hey, Joey. 
Yeah, hey, safety. You the man. Shoot, you my homie, uh, boy. <laughs> so how you doing, man? Excellent, excellent. Great, great. Good yeah, so, and I can say I can say hi to Janet, hi to Adam, and of course, your esteemed host, hey. Jonathan. Oh, thank you so hi. much. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it is. Thank, thank you once again for coming on to the show. We really do appreciate it. Um, of course, you do wonderful work at Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick. And uh, for those of you out there, if you have never heard the show, I suggest that you tune in. That does air every Monday and Friday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern here on Indie Media Weekly. Uh, now, Tom, I actually... And mm, don't yes. forget, he's also an actor. Yes, he's he is. he's a member is. of the SAG and yep, uh, seg after. Mm-hmm. yeah and i learned a lot about that last night i don't <laughs> know if other people understand it but i got it last night finally <laughs> good good um i you know like, like i said on adam's show I, I i i wasn't there as a representative of the union but since i'm a union member i wanted to at least say here's what i know about it based on what i've been reading and what i you know hope happens i hope that you know, the employers of voice talent for video games, uh, you know, take this uh, negotiation seriously. Uh, if, if they get a strike authorization vote, which uh, ends tomorrow, uh, and they, you know, say, oh, you guys really could walk out if we don't talk to you in a professional way and come to an agreement on how we're going to compensate you and make sure that you work in a safe environment. You know, I, I don't I don't like strikes. I don't think anybody likes strikes. But if necessary, that you know that uh, stick has to be there. You know. Absolutely, I think it's extremely important. But um, you know, in, in in addition to being an actor, of course, you you are a man of very many talents. Um, I know that you are now a resident of North Carolina. Yes, I uh, am. I have got to I, I got to welcome you to the the state on a turn up the night previously. So that was fun to do. Uh, but I was curious as to how you've enjoyed your stay so far, what you think about Asheville and uh, the rest of the state, if you've seen any oh, of it. Oh, wow. Well, and you know, we, we, we kind of joked about it when you were on our show and I, you know, I said, okay, am I a damn Yankee? Cause I've lived in Ohio all my life until <laughs> June of this year, or am I, you know, part of that Southern hospitality now? And you know, you jokingly said, "Well, you're, you're legally here now, right? You got your you got your driver's license, you got your car tags here, so you know that makes you here." But here's my thing: this move here, which we did not, my wife and I did not do lightly, mm-hmm. um, came in part because a we just fell in love with the area. Mm. B uh, people here are just wonderful. Uh, the, with rare exception, every every person that we've met, either in preparation to move here or since we've moved here, has shown that southern hospitality, mm. and and it is infectious. It truly is. But in general, and and I know this sounds a little you know, a little you know as, as my wife Peggy would say, woo woo. Uh, <laughs> we we were drawn here. Um, Although he was talking about it in for a different set of mountains, when John Denver in Rocky Mountain High said, coming home to a place he'd never been before, mm-hmm. that's kind of the way we're feeling here. 
for some reason, it just felt right to make this move. And it's no, it's no knock on Ohio. It's no knock on, on you know, where we've lived in Ohio in the past or where my family's from. It's, it's just we were drawn here. And uh, it's just been a wonderful experience so far. And uh, I was able to, you know, meet so many people so far and and get hooked up with a with an agency, a, a talent agency uh, in the area that uh, I feel pretty comfortable working with. And I'm already I'm taking classes uh, through through the co-op that's associated with them. And um it's just been a wonderful experience all the way around. I, I, I can't say I can't say anything negative about it because so far it's just been wonderful. That's awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that North Carolina is treating you right. And I I don't know if uh, Janet, Joey, or Adam have ever had the chance to go to Asheville, but uh, in in my opinion, and and I'm fairly well traveled in the state. It's just the most one of the most beautiful parts of the state. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the mountains. I love the the downtown and how vibrant it is. Um, I love the margaritas at the wonderful place that Kim Williams took me. Um, so yeah, and, it's <laughs> oh, oh oh oh. Did she take you to uh, Zia? She did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's our that's one of our favorite restaurants. Nice. And uh, by the way, uh, besides the margaritas, uh, Asheville is known as uh i think they call themselves beer city mm-hmm. but it is definitely one of the top uh uh microbreweries uh locations in in the country uh i think there's a couple other other ones who will you know argue that they are but uh the other <laughs> Asheville area is right up there yeah there's a lot of really good ones and um uh the the last time i visited i got a chance to go to the uh vineyard at biltmore which mm-hmm. i had uh never been to before even though i've i've been to biltmore state a couple times and uh they had some surprisingly good wine i I wasn't aware that north carolina had the capacity to make good wine but they proved themselves quite Mm -hmm. capable so i was i was very proud of that and uh, of course yeah we've got the we got easy access to the blue ridge parkway um in fact my cousin one of uh, one of my cousins who lives still lives in columbus came down three weeks after we moved oh wow. and, uh, and we and you know we said well <laughs> your your guest room uh has a bunch of boxes still in it but we'll we'll clear a spot so you can you know un- unpack your suitcase <laughs> and sleep on the bed and uh but we went down and, and spent uh the better part of a day uh driving a segment of it i mean it runs for you know several hundred miles mm-hmm. uh but uh it, it the, stretch heading down uh south and and, and southwest away from Asheville we, we drove for a while and of course had to stop eh, about every quarter mile for a scenic overlook kind of shot and mm-hmm. uh, it was wonderful uh it just it, you just take that in and of course in a couple of weeks we'll be hitting peak leaf season and the leaf peepers will be cruising around here but uh oh, hey yeah. you know <laughs> you know so spend spend some of your travel and tourism dollars with us you know it'll be great Yes, indeed. Come to North Carolina and uh, particularly Asheville. The the foliage up there during the fall is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, before I let the other co-host loose on you, I, I know that uh, you are a man that I did not have to prepare a whole lot of questions for because you have been at this game for a lot longer than I have been. Um, are there any particular stories in the South that you uh, have your eye on at the moment? Oh, wow. Well, um I, I guess I guess I could you know relate to you again, even though I spent a few minutes on Turn Up the Night talking about it. Uh, last weekend, uh, the Daily Coes had a uh, what they call their Connect 
in Asheville. They do these things every so often in, in various places around the country. But um, they did one uh, right here in Asheville last weekend where they brought together, of course, some of their, their top people, including Marcos Melitzas, uh, Joan McCarter. Um, let's see, I'm trying to remember. There's a couple other the one, a couple other the senior people that uh, you know whose names you see on some of the some of the diaries uh, posted at Daily Co's, uh, but the the bulk of it was really networking with local activists uh, in you know North Carolina, but Asheville proper as well, mm-hmm. uh, talking about issues. And uh, of course, one of the issues that I knew just a just a smattering about before we got here, because I would read Daily Kos, or I I was already listening to uh, eight eighty the Revolution, uh, which is the the uh, iHeartRadio slash Clear Channel station here. We still have a progressive radio station. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, but we had that um, meetup of people, and we had the opportunity. Uh, to just kind of find out, you know, what's been going on, some of the hot topics, some of the issues that uh, uh, people have been working on. And the one I didn't know a lot about was there was an attempt at the state level to um, basically take over the, the municipal water supply mm-hmm. of, of Asheville. Oh, wow. It was, it was, you know, one of those kind of like, you know, we, we can control your water. We can decide, you know, whether to allow companies to come in and do fracking we can uh, we can decide you know what what you're going to you know allow happen in in your watershed and um it really caused a major um brouhaha (laughs) but but basically you know it, it it activated people uh just across the board here and it got challenged in the courts uh, there was a an initial ruling that that basically drove back the state from trying to uh, take the water supply or or the governance of it, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's being appealed, and I th- I think a ruling was supposed to be happening sometime soon, but you know hearing hearing those kind of things, but showing how um, you know various organizations got uh, engaged. And I heard earlier, you, you talked to Rhiannon, uh, you know, the whole thing with the coal ash. That's also a water quality issue that is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts around here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to live in a state that where the dominant electric company was not Duke Energy, but American Electric Power. And uh, they do a lot of the same things. That, that's the one that's the one parallel that I'm finding between you know formerly living in Ohio and living here uh, you got Alec yeah they're trying to you know write write the kind of legislation that you know makes the makes the Koch brothers happy mm-hmm. uh, versus you know what the rest of us really need in terms of you know regulation and and tax support for schools uh, you know the the uh, privatization of Medicaid now, which has just been passed by uh, the, the legislature in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's it, sadly when you, when you go to a, a day event where they're talking about uh, politics in North Carolina, it it can be exhilarating and it can also be depressing because you kind of feel like, oh my gosh, all this is going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ever since McCrory got elected, and I'm I'm sorry, guys, I promise I'll let you ask questions soon. Um, Ever since since McCrory got elected, we've just gone downhill so quickly. And 
we had and, and, a, oh, let me let me add it hmm. also helps that he has a super majority uh in the legislature to back back up whatever he wanted to do and in some oh, cases yeah. they've almost run out ahead of him he, he you know he he found himself on surprisingly on the right side of marriage equality at one point because mm -hmm. you know they they were going to you know write all kinds of legislation that would allow well they did write legislation that would allow uh you know government officials if they were conscientious due to their religious beliefs to not perform same-sex marriages in their offices you know whether it's a county courthouse or you know whatever and you know he, he i think fearing a little bit for his re-election chances actually said he was not for that now you know there's a difference of course between saying i'm not for it and actively vetoing and using the bully pulpit to say come on you don't do this here mm -hmm. uh but he's he's been walking that tightrope with course with his uh re-election coming up <laughs> so you know you kind of say okay you know how far are you willing to you know go with this yeah, I don't think that he has much of a chance of getting reelected at this point. I hope not. I certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the legislature is gonna the, the assembly is gonna be something different entirely, as much as they've they've ger gerrymandered it. Well, they but they uh, did say I think the Senate, if they could flip, is it five seats? If five seats yeah. could flip Democratic, they would at least break the supermajority. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that's a start. I mean, yeah, it, it won't be fixed until another you know redistricting plan comes up and either that won't happen until the next census or if it gets challenged in the courts enough and they've you know the the courts say look you've got to become at least bipartisan in how you're drawing these things uh you know mm -hmm. maybe it would happen but I'm, I'm not holding my breath before the next uh census comes around yeah i understand completely um so i i will I will quit monopolizing the time. Uh, since, okay. <laughs> uh, since Adam had you uh, last night, I am going to hand this over to, to Janet first, and then Joey, and then uh, Adam can have you again. Well, thank you. Um, I just have a quick one. How did you get started? Now, I know that you and Kenny um, do the turn up the night, mm -hmm. and then... The entertainment, I can understand because you're an actor. How did you get into the news portion of that? Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll wind back the clock even further. I mean, yes, you know, now cool. Kenny and I and Deba and Matt and, and Pete on Fridays uh, kind of make up the core team. But uh, I actually met Ken through Stephanie Miller and the Stephanie Miller, uh, well, what we used to call the live blog. Uh, which was predates their chat room uh, by several years, but we, you know we were just loyal listeners of the show and found you know common interests. Uh, Ken was already uh, producing little uh, montage bits of of you know stuff that he heard on the you know in the in the right wing news media in terms of you know quotes and things like that and would make little funny uh, pieces and. I was just kind of, you know, making little smart ass comments in the chat room. And, and one time <laughs> he, uh, he was already doing a, a music based, uh, podcast. I think it was usually just an hour back in the old days. And, uh, he invited me and a few other folks that he uh, met through the, through the Stephanie Miller show to, to hang out. 
and we just recorded the podcast. It wasn't a live show. It wasn't streaming. It wasn't anything other than recording. And then you put the link out on, you know, social media and say, hey, you know, come listen to the show. So we started doing that. And along uh, comes uh, Nicole Sandler, who um, invited Ken to, you know, uh, share some of, some of, you know, his entertainment with her and uh, I think it was about the time that she broke her ankle and needed someone to fill for her. Uh, he invited he invited her to start doing uh, fill in for her for a period of time and she was doing her show over Ustream which is you know one of the one of the streaming uh, video and, and audio uh-huh. services and we started working with her on radio or not as a as one of the you know Ah. one of the sister shows or one of the, one of the spinoff shows. And then, uh, she started doing a lot more, uh, fill in for Randy Rhodes. And because of that, she was originally doing her show in the afternoons and then she moved it to mornings, which for Ken and I, we were still doing full-time jobs. It was kind of hard to do uh fill in for her, for her show. So we were still kind of, you know, finding our finding our footing and made uh the decision to just kind of do it in the evening and and keep working on it and and turn up the night really kind of came into its own about then and then he made friends with deba and made friends with matt and uh you know we've we've kind of built a built a revolving uh you know list of of favorite guests and friends that we've invited on to to you know share our show with us and you know again ken ken was the was the host and, and producer and I'm kind of a, a co-producer and, and, you know, co-host on the whole thing. And I've, I've written a few things for him and we've written some things together that ended up uh, getting some airplay on Stephanie Miller's show. And, um, as they say, you know, the rest is history. Wow, and it works to, well. That goes to show progressives don't die. We multiply. There you go. There you go. And, and, and you know, we, we grow like the blob. You know, and, and our our association with you know Kim Williams at Indie Media Weekly, uh, you know, that's just made it even more sweet because you know now we've got all these shows uh, that have uh, been developed and fi- and are finding their voice and have found their voice already, and uh, I just think it's uh it, it's it's a wonderful time to be part of the, I think is the new movement of progressive talk. And I, I can, I'm going to use the tagline extraterrestrial radio, all the, the power, power without, without the, the tower. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I like that. And I, yeah. you know, and I remember when we moved from liberal justice radio mm-hmm. over to any media weekly and I was, you know, I was kind of nervous about it because I thought, well, how's that going to work? And, you know, that we still wouldn't have, we we would lose the family type thing of it. And really, we haven't. We've just grown. Mm-hmm. But everybody that's around is friendly and kind and decent. And if they're not, we kind of just. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing that I've noticed, uh, It you know, there's. There is the commercial radio world, and there is what I think we're doing, which I want to call some of it's activism, some of it's activism radio, some of it is is just good 
enjoyable entertainment, you know, the music shows, uh, you know, uh, what Michael at Michael Sharball is doing, uh, you know, Broken Doorway, Spoken Doorway, all, you know, all of this. It's about kind of creating a vibe that I think we had remembered as, as you know, college college students in the, with the college radio station because everybody brought what they what they were interested in. Some guys are into jazz. Some guys are into, you know, um, ska. Some folks are into, you know, other forms of, of, of culture. Uh, but they would have their own shows and each would have their own voice. But brought together, it's really a, a neat, eclectic, vibrant, uh, you know, mix of, of interest, you know? Oh, I think it's fantastic. And I, when we came over and um, I discovered Indie Media Weekly and Matt Kim and stuff, I was thinking, this is just the best. You know, I am just so glad that we did this. You guys made um, a great decision. And I think it's just been awesome. And everybody has, like you said, their own voices, and we're growing and trying new things. And, you know, if anybody wants to hear something, all they have to do is get a hold of one of us, and we can run it by Kenny and you guys, and we'll do our best, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, like the reverse call-in. I was, you know, we started the trend there because I was the first one to do the reverse call-in on the thing about the Ferguson incident. That's right. And it blew mm-hmm. up overnight. <laughs> and I love I it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't even get on the calendar. <laughs> and I've got my own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, see, Adam, you've, you've, now, you've now advanced because I see reverse call-in on, on Turn Up the Night as our way of saying thank you to those loyal listeners who who make it's it's appointment radio to to show up on Tuesdays and Fridays 7 to 10 and listen live and join us in the chat. Yes, we have podcast capability. You can download us anytime, you can play us anytime you want. But those folks are special because they're the ones who stayed with us with every change as we went from, you know, some cases the podcast to you streamed a spreecast. Oh, I hated spreecast. Oh, uh, yeah. But, but, I remember uh, that now that you said failed, that. Yeah. Failed Tom, Tom so has, many times. Anyway, but, but they've been with us. They've been with us all the way. And we want to say thank you. And and those folks, you know, f- folks that are listening right now live, you're awesome. We love you. You you know, you, you, bring, you bring energy to the show. Because we glance over and we see, hopefully, you're you're listening to us and not, you know, talking totally out of context about strange things. But hey, even if you are, <laughs> God bless, you know. Well, and so. Kenny says Joey is the godfather of RCI. There, there you go. go. <laughs> In that Thanks, he's Kenny. gonna make he's gonna make Kenny an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> that's Godfather, right? Or am I mixing up my culture? Yeah, that's references? Godfather. Yeah, okay, that's the good. Godfather. Good, good, good. Sometimes he will ask of you a favor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You come to me on this the day of my daughter's wedding. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Bunch of comedians around here. I try. I, you know. I I subscribe to to uh, Joel's view of the world. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That means making fun of, you know, situations or yes, you know, indeed. bouncing off of them. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, we are going to run to a really quick break here so that we can get back to our conversation with Tom. And up next to bat will be Joey. So we will let Joey loose on you, sir. Uh, so stay okay. tuned here <laughs> to Southern Progressive Revival. We'll be right back. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights, economic and social opportunity. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. Be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to IndieMediaWeekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Cormall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new? Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show. Every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show. Features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndieMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for The Night Show. Join the chat and submit your requests every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com for those who dare. Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Don't change that dial. If you do, I'll know. Like a sneaky ninja, I will know. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do, I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls. Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to the last half hour of this episode of Southern Progressive Revival. And uh, joining us, as always, is our very own Miss Producer, Janet Lee, from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome back, ma'am. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, Adam Hebert, host of Mike Check Radio from Enterprise, Alabama. Who is back? Sorry about that. Not a problem. You made it back just in the nick of time. Yes, I did. And last but not least, the man who will be handling the questions from uh, here until he's done with them, uh, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. 
Hi, everybody. Is he going to put me under a light and say, now, where were you last <laughs> week? Hey, he oh, put macaroni under a light, so. <laughs> oh, but Kenny does want, <laughs> Kenny did want a reminder about the Twitter, Tom. Yes, there's a new Indie Media Weekly Twitter feed, at uh, Radio IMW. Go like it, follow it. Stay tuned for further details. Yes, indeed. Yes, everybody go out there and do that. Um, I, I know that's something that uh, Kenny started today. I was I was negligent to uh, mention it myself. I, I apologize. But thank you, Tom. And thank you, yeah. Kenny, out in the chat for reminding us. Oh, and by the way, uh, how appropriate that uh, your uh, intro uh, to this segment was uh, Jimmy Carter, who uh, just celebrated his 91st birthday on the 1st of October. Um, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers as he uh, continues to battle cancer. But uh, this is a man who is, he is going to be true to his core beliefs of, you know, justice and, you know, bringing democracy to around the world. And yeah, even back to our own country, which is in, you know, dire need of, of, of help because of attacks to it from uh, all sides, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. And I am very glad we, we got to talk about Jimmy Carter in depth last show. Um, very happy that he's made it this far. I wish I wish that he could be around for 91 more years. I, I know Joey said that uh, yeah. last week on the show. And and he, he still says before he leaves this earth, he would love to see automatic registration to vote in this country. I, oh, yeah. I, I, hope, I, hope, he, I hope we could do that. Absolutely. Yes, that would be amazing. Oregon, Oregon's doing it right now, so we got yeah. 49 states to uh, <laughs> work on. <laughs> hey, we will get there. We we it started with Massachusetts with the uh, with um, marriage equality. We we mm-hmm. can get there. All right, so uh, Joey, I am going to let you loose, sir. Uh, treat All him kindly. Hey, right, Mr. <laughs> <Davis>, my man, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, wanted, I, I just wanted to ask you: uh, Are you? Having any, are you going to be in any more projects, any, any big budget films, anything? Any because big I budget movies? I, I yes, sure hope uh, so. I mean, yeah. you know, look, I've I've been doing this for only eight years now. I'm I'm I really am a second second uh, career actor. Uh, I worked in IT for thirty years. Um, before that, I grew up on a farm in, in northwestern Ohio. So. You know, I've I've made I've made major changes along the way with you know what I've done for a living, and honestly, I feel I feel like even though I've I've got a few titles under under my name, uh, under my filmography on IMDb, I have barely scratched the surface. I'm taking an acting class now uh, through this co-op that, like I said, is associated with the agency that I'm I'm with here. And uh, it's really good. Uh, it, it's ironically, it has nothing to do with acting per se. It's talking. It's it's tools to help you be in the moment, and and stop worrying about things because worry is is the killer. If you worry about your performance, if you worry about what lines you're going to say, whatever you, yeah. you you're going to just screw it up. Because what is real life? Real life is you don't know what you're going to have, what's going to happen until it's happening. And if you know the next line you're going to say, you're anticipating it, even at the most subtle level. And this class I'm taking is about helping you break free of that kind of worrying about, am I, am I going to do this right? Am I going to do this right? You know, it's like, screw it. Forget it. 
do it. And so, yeah, I, yeah and I noticed you was, you was, it had small parts in a couple of movies that I enjoyed mm-hmm. real well. Captain America with a soldier uh-huh. and Super Eight, and I and I'm gonna watch those movies to try to find you, man. Well, <laughs> I, I, I will, I will, I will give you a little help on Captain America Winter Soldier. You won't see me because the only scene that I was in that they shot in Cleveland. Uh, they didn't use the scenes that I was in. Uh, oh, there, was a whole, there was a whole series of stuff that took place at at the at the big uh, big mall downtown, and um, it's it, it, they just didn't use it. Yeah. I, I I know exactly I, I know exactly where they cut it and where they cut it was before I would have walked into the frame. But you know what? That happens. Uh, that you know, I had a friend who was on the movie um, Ides of March, the George Clooney uh, movie. Um, they shot that mostly in the Cincinnati area. She had a speaking role. I was just I was just an extra. Actually, I, it, was, it was a weird extra. I was in one scene. I was the only person walking down the hallway. And uh, the, the person, the friend of mine, was credited on the movie. She was on, she, you know, she was above the line in terms of overall listed names on IMDb and they totally cut her scene out. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. I mean, you, you will spend, you know, three or four days or, or a whole week on a movie. And for whatever reason, it just didn't, doesn't make the cut. There's always infinity war, Tom. Well, there's that, there's that. And, uh, you know, although here's the funny thing, I did find someone had gone through uh, all the extras who had worked on Winter Soldier and included that on a uh, wiki for the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, so if you, if you look at me, there's this one page for MCU, um, Marvel MCU as wiki, and I'm there, and I'm like, okay, well, hey, I'll take that. But uh, no, I, you know what? Okay. I'm just I'm just having fun. Whatever I do, I mean, I'm. I've done stage stuff in Columbus. I was on I was on a play last year that got an award for best non-musical, uh, and that was a wonderful wonderful gift to the to the whole cast because it really was a, a it was an ensemble performance. Um, I felt like we all contributed greatly to its success, and that was cool. I I, I take those kind of uh, those kind of uh, rewards and say you know thank you because we you know that's what we live for as actors. Uh, that's cool, man, and and I'm and I'm uh wish you the best, man, and I I hope you land a big role one day, and I'm gonna support you 100. percent And I'm gonna watch something before I go to bed. I'm gonna watch Super Eight and try to find you. <laughs> well, I'll give you a hint where that I'll give you a hint where that is too. It's after the town hall meeting, and you'll hear okay. my voice. You'll hear my voice, and you'll see just a little of my face coming out of the building behind uh, the deputy who is played by Kyle Chandler. So okay. You'll, that that'll help, hear you, that'll help you see where I am. All right. Can we hear All it right, just one more time? Oh, the line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you going to do about the power? It's been out for two days. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <Cool. laughs> see. I wish, yeah. Man, I wish you the best man in this movie thing, though. I wish you the best, Tom. Thanks. Oh, oh I like to call you my man Shafe, the yep. robot ninja from the planet England. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the man. He's the man. He is indeed. And now that uh, Joey is out of the way, Adam, you have the honor and privilege of getting to ask questions to the chef two nights in a row. Oh, Enjoy wow. yourself. 
this time, this time I don't have a bunch of articles prepared to, to talk to you about, so I have no idea what you're going to ask me. Uh, I that makes two of us. Um, no, but I mean seriously, I I, I will say that I. It's kind of weird. I, this might be kind of weird and awkward, but I do look up to you because you're the sort. You're you're what Joseph Campbell might call following your bliss, and yeah. and I I respect that. I I really do, and I hope one day to see you, if not in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, although Infinity War, you know, could it it could happen, but uh, I would it, it would you know one day I could go to a movie could be starring Tom Schaefer. Well, I've been I've been in short films starring, but you know that's seven minutes versus, you know, three hours. So yeah, that's something to work up to. Absolutely. But uh, no, I just uh, I, and if anyone wants to know what sort of person this gentleman is, okay, I, I went to I I was very excited when the sexy liberal show came to Chicago. I was I was still a college student, um. And uh, we we arranged to have a dinner at the uh, Star of Siam, I think it was. Yeah. And I show up, but I'm 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 a bit of a shy person at first because you know uh, Chicago is a big city, and you know you show Broad up in the wrong shoulders. place. Yeah. And I'm just <laughs> trying to be subtle, and so it's like uh, I'm, I'm I'm supposed to meet some people. And Tom looks over, and says, "Is that Adam? He's with us." <laughs> Oh no, we'll take him. I think is what you said. But, I think well, uh, Ken, Ken, Kenny gave you the big hug first, yes, so yes. yeah, he, he got to you first. No, no, that, this I was there for before Kenny was. I remember oh, that's that. Right. That's right. That's right. You just saying, walked in. Yeah, yeah. And after it took usually takes me a while to you know get comfortable. To it. once I get to that point though, you can ask you can just ask Jonathan. I will talk your ear off. <laughs> but um, I I was you know five minutes. I was I was ready to talk. <laughs> And it wasn't the liquor because I don't drink, by the way. So well, Coke, you do. Well, yes, yeah. indeed. Co- Coca Cola. We gotta specify that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> newsbuster comes out. Adam Hebert confesses again to drinking cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a, a beverage, you know. <laughs> yes, but cocaine uh, no. is a hell of a beverage. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I, I mean, I, I really do, you know, I seriously do look up to you because I, I don't think I could do something like that if I were, if I had been in your position, you know, to leave behind a somewhat comfortable job with a decent paycheck. Well, I, I assume after that mon- amount of time in IT, that was the case. Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah, but, and, and, and to be honest, we're, you know, we're kind of spending our retirement a little little quicker than we decided, but... The the you know the the game plan is we we both want to start our second careers and you know build from there. It takes guts. I mean, it, it really does. And you've got it in spades, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I questions. I I don't know. I mean, are, are there any you know upcoming movies? You know, I obviously we don't know like specifics about certain films, but I mean. Is there any sort of film project you would, you know, you would love to be involved in, you know, for example, you know, like a, an adaptation of a novel you're fond of or something like that? No, no, not, not really. I'm, I, I'm happy anytime I'm working. I mean, I, I, I'll do, I like commercial work. I like indie work. I like, you know, many different genres. I mean, I've, I've, in the, short films that I've done, I've done, you know, 
because of my involvement with the 48 hour film project, you know, you, you get drawn, you draw a genre and then you, you, you go make a, a, you know, five to five to eight minute movie about it. Um, I've done horror, I've done comedy, I've done science fiction. Of course, uh, the, the one that we were most proud of was the eight and five short that we won best of Columbus and second runner up worldwide at the, at the film of Palooza that, uh, then got spun off into a web series. So, you know, those are the kind of things that excite me just because you make your own opportunities. Uh, very few things in this life are handed to you. And I'm not, I'm saying that in, you know, in general, not even, not even specific to filmmaking or, or acting. Um, you, you know, if you, if you get the bug to do something, you know, don't hesitate at least, at least kind of say, what if, and kind of work, from that desire to to at least if you do it part-time or on the weekend you know a lot of people like me i was about five years into doing acting before i started even saying well maybe this is something i can do full-time especially if we you know make some adjustments and how much money we're spending outside of the work and uh, we we did some downsizing to move here and we you know, made it a conscious decision to kind of live a little more, a little more uh, lean and mean, and uh, you know that gives us some latitude to to you know experiment and have fun with uh, work, and then. So I have to ask, uh, since this is a southern flavored show, and you were an actor, and I'm sure that you've seen countless movies in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite movie set in the South? Oh wow. <laughs> Wow. You cannot use Blazing Saddles for this exercise. No, that that would be the West. Actually. Yep. Right. Or actually, that that would be the Hollywood soundstage where they had the big fight. <laughs> <laughs> the French mistake. Ooh la. Yeah. Not the face. Not the face. Um, <laughs> sorry. I, I'm, I'm going. I just no, no, ran the fine. whole movie. I... Just ran the whole movie through my head in, in you know, <laughs> two seconds. Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the Notebook is, is was was set. In the South, that you know that, you know that movie, don't you? Of course. Okay, so that that's a cool that's a cool movie because they you know they do the flashbacks with Ryan Gosling playing the younger version of James Garner and mm-hmm. you know they and you know um, can't remember her name. Uh, but anyway, the, the the whole concept, I, I love I love that. Uh, Forrest Gump was very cool. They you know they oh yeah. That was all set in the you know, major major scenes down south with Alabama and you know the, the run down the the long lane with the trees and run forest run. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know, I, and I I I have so many interests genre wise. I'm I'm kind of like I'm with movies like I am with music. Uh, you know I like I like nearly all kinds of music as long as it's good. Mm. And uh, films, you know, I, I like, I love sci-fi, occasionally horror. I'm not, I mean, Pe- Peggy doesn't like horror that much, so I don't drag her to, you know, go see, you know, drag me to hell or anything like that. But um, she, you know, we, we'll enjoy, we'll enjoy good drama or, you know, suspense. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of all over the map. I understand. Kenny says his his favorite is Sling Blade. I like the way he talks. I some French fried taters. <laughs> Ought not to do that. <laughs> it's nice, safe like a safe like a banana. 
<laughs> yep, Sling Blade is an awesome movie, and it's a very quotable movie too. So but, but I know. know. Bill Bar Thor. Bill. Bill Bar Thor. Yeah, what Billy Bob is man. Jerk. But I. <laughs> Snork just asked Porky's. Eh, yeah, it, you know, it, not my favorite, but it, it's funny. It's got it's got its moments. You know, actually, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Really? Oh. Yeah. I have to add it I to think, my... Uh, oh, sorry. All right, green, green fried tomatoes. All fried green tomatoes, yeah. Right, yeah, fried green tomatoes, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I just... uh, sorry. Oh, it, it, there's just, you know, it's just all over the map. Well, and I wanted to say something, too, before our time has ended here. I just think that you have a remarkable wife, too. You know, because... I know I do. <laughs> yeah, and um, I love her, but <laughs> uh, she has also got that same kind of spirit that you do, like um, trying new things, and you know she's wanting to get her uh, some more coaching mm -hmm. or whatever going, and she's just so sweet, you know, very positive, and I can see that the two of you really nurture each other and I I think that's pretty awesome. We we nurture and we also hold each other accountable. Um because, you know, she's called she's called bullshit on me a few times in my in, <laughs> in my uh life and <laughs> and likewise <laughs> on her, but and, and it's all in love and and you know that you know we always want nothing but the best for each other. So, yeah, we can we can we can kind of Say what? What was that all about? What you know? So um, it's good, and we we are both Gemini's. So yeah, sometimes sometimes the you know the the, the room is a little crowded with with you know our, our us splitting off in opposite directions sometimes. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. But it's been good. We've been married for thirty four years now. So uh, I, I guess she'll keep me. I certainly hope so. I. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Joey wants you to add him back in. Yeah, he's mic cut out on him. Okay, I will add Joey back into the call. Now, well, while Jonathan does that, I have a question. I, I should, probably should have thought about this sooner. Uh, have you? I mean, you, you said before you, you're happy when you're working, but have you ever considered anything like uh, possibly doing voice acting for cartoons or, dare I say, anime? Well, I've as of I am a voice actor. I do consider myself a voice actor. Uh, I just haven't had the opportunity through you know living here versus la mm -hmm. or or anywhere else where a lot of that production's going on of, of being involved in that um that's that admittedly in making this decision to live here instead of on either coast i probably limit some of my access to to opportunities if i got big enough you know as in you know experienced enough that becomes less of an issue because casting is done quite literally all over the country. And if you have an agent who is plugged into that, uh, you can live just about anywhere. Um, you know, there's, there's not, not everybody who, who does a lot of work in LA actually lives in LA, which is nice because it'd be pretty crowded even more so, uh, if everybody had to live there, but you have to have connections obviously. So, I'm open to that possibility. 
uh, with time and 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 you know being uh, proven as a as a reliable talent. That's that's another thing that I really like because even though my my time as an actor has been relatively short, I mean it's still under ten years. Um, I've already worked for indie filmmakers and and on you know comp projects for you know forty eight hour film project where I know I have you know proven myself and made you know made that director happy with me to the point where they would work with me again and you know I have worked several for several directors where they've asked me back because they knew that I could get the job done and wow. that's that, that to me that that's probably the best compliment that I could ever be paid as an actor if someone wants to work with me again then chances are I must be doing it right yeah, yeah. No. So, how did you get a your agent? I mean, how did how does a person get an agent? Well, I, I had one in Columbus for several years. Uh, I was referred to that to that agency by a person I was taking uh, improv classes from, and he said, "Are you represented?" And I said, "No." And he says, "Oh, well, come into the office sometime. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll introduce you to the 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 local." Uh, uh, manager here uh, who reported up to another another person in another city and they said you know let's come on in so i signed with with one agency i moved to another one over time and uh, then when i moved down here the agency that i ended up joining here uh was ironically having an open house uh well this was at the first of september and um <laughs> And they they invited people to come in and you know talk to them and uh, I came in and you know gave them my gave them my uh, background and they said you know what we we think you could uh, work with you so it, wow. it's one of those things where if the vibe feels right and you know I have my I have my reel and you know references of of work on my website so. You know, it's all kind of right there. They can they can look at it and say, "Okay, we can we can think we can make some money working with you." Okay, great. Yeah, because they would get a portion of what you make, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Agency fees. Yep. Oh, okay. So if I'm all if right. I'm well employed, they make more money. If I'm not ah. well employed, they don't make as much money. So it's in their best interest to you know. A, make sure you're employed. Make sure I'm employed. <laughs> B, if if they see up, if they see you know something in my performance or or my work that they think could need some brushing up, they can recommend that I you know get involved with some classes. This one this one class I'm taking though just sounded right even even before they uh, had a chance to say oh would you be interested in taking a class I'd said hey what about this class you guys are doing and they said yeah we're starting it next week and it's like okay. <laughs> so I'm there. Well, because I was going to ask you too. Have you ever been embarrassed, like, to do a scene or, uh, you know, because of the content? Are you embarrassed? Or? Just anything. Like I've I've been in a couple of plays, but I always was kind of embarrassed when I first got out there and um, got started. I'd say my first stage kiss was kind of weird. Um, well, not weird, not weird to do it. But weird knowing that my wife and the boyfriend <laughs> of the woman I was kissing was sitting each in the front row within 
oh, no more than about 20, no, 15, no, 10 feet away from us because it was done in a, what, what they call a, uh, um, what do they call that? It's a little, a little tiny theater. I mean, it's basically a, uh, you know, almost like a drawing room theater. It, it was, it was, oh it my was gosh, very small. You could hear dinner people theater. coughing. Yeah. Well, you could, you know, there wasn't dinner theater. Well, there were little tables there. And yes, yeah. the bar downstairs served alcohol. So sometimes we had people already showing up to watch a play drunk, which for comedy, great, because they laugh great. But for a drama, <laughs> mm, not so much. But so um, what did, what did but, Peggy but say? They, but my, my wife, Peggy, said to me afterwards, she says, yeah, um, me and her boyfriend, we were, we were conspiring to start coughing and clearing our throats when you guys started kissing. I said, Thanks for not doing that. That would have just so totally broken us. It would have it would just been like pfft, game over. <laughs> game over, man. Game over. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that, Adam. So yeah, I mean that that was interesting. I mean, and we got we got over it, but it, that first night was eh, I have to admit I was a little self conscious about that. Um, it got easier as time went on, though. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I hate. It... Go ahead, Jenna. Okay. I was just going to ask: Has anybody ever asked you to take clothes off? No. Oh yes. Oh, that's good. Because well, well, a lot of women they do. Yeah. Well, it also helps that I'm over fifty, so I don't think anybody really wants to see me naked. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny wants to remind everybody tonight, ten thirty, on Double Sci-Fi Feature. X minus one. Tunnel yes. under the world. Oh, and yes. suspense. The lodger. The lodger. Excellent. Dun. I like your lending your acting voice to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the trick is just to get right up on that microphone. Oh, I see. Talk. You want to be like kissing the puff screen. Yeah. The lodger. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I'm gonna have to practice that myself. Um, I, I hate to say this, but this hour has absolutely flown. So we we have to wrap up for the night, unfortunately. Uh, but Tom, I'm, I'm gonna give you the the first parting shot. But I just want to thank you again so much for being on the program. This was a whole lot of fun, and I, I hope that you enjoyed it as much as we did, and that you'll come back and visit with us in the future. Hey, no problem. Um, it's been fun, and like I said, this was a this was kind of a, a wild and wacky weekend uh, with three shows in a row: Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So, but I only do one show a night. I don't. I never do two shows a night. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's in your contract. All right. So, is there is there anything you want to plug on the way out? Or uh, no, not really. Um, turn up the night next Tuesday, seven to ten p.m. Um, I'm going to be off next Friday because for the first time since we moved here in June, we're actually going back up to Ohio to help someone celebrate their uh, 60th birthday, who's a close friend of ours. Oh, and, awesome. Uh, so looking forward to doing that. And uh, yeah, I'll find out whether my car actually wants to go back that direction. I don't know. Might It might fight me all the way. I don't know. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> well, I, where are you going? <laughs> well, man, I wish you safe travels. Uh, thank you once again. It was a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope you have a wonderful night, Tom. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. And uh, I will go ahead and give our next pat. pat I almost said padding. I've been 
around Paul too much now. Uh, I'm going to give our next parting shot to Janet Lee. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here. I think we had a great show and um, really enjoyed it, everybody, and all of our guests and stuff. And next week we have Leslie Boyd. She will be here, and Caitlin will be on Damn Yankee. So, and good night, Joe, my sister. Love you. All right, awesome. And uh, we will turn next to Adam Hebert. Uh, well, uh, well, Janet covered what I was going to say about the Indy Mini Weekly Sci-Fi Double Feature. We've got a bunch of exciting stuff coming down the pike for Halloween. I'm already putting together a playlist, including one of my favorite songs, Mitternacht by Inamina. And uh, next weekend on My Check Radio, we have a story about a perverted Buddhist priest. Yes, folks, it is not just an anime trope anymore. <laughs> 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 yes indeed alright thank you Adam and uh, we now move on to Joey parting shot sir hopefully Joey can hear us I know he's been having trouble staying on the call let me see if he's on the call okay ah he's coming through grainy All right, Joey, if you can hear us, you're you're not coming through very clearly. So uh, just stick around afterwards and, and we'll uh, we'll see what we can do about that. But uh, anyway, um, I, as your host, Jonathan, want to thank everybody for listening to Southern Progressive Revival again tonight. Many thanks to Ms. Yes, thank you so much, Ms. Fion. Uh, thank you, Snork. Thank you, Tom, for being on the show tonight. It has been a lot of fun. We look forward to being with you again next Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, live here only on Indie Media Weekly. And I hope that you all have a great weekend uh, or a great week ahead. The weekend is over. Uh, so have a great night. We love you. And uh, we will catch you next time here on Southern Progressive Revival. Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate it. That's good. Wonderful yeah, to see you. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, great. You come back and see me, you hear? Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.